Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy, it is time. It is uh December 5th, January 5th. Happy New Year 2023. Um I'm sure people will love that I mixed up the month right off the bat. Go me. Um thank you very much for joining me. This is going to be fun. Uh we're going to be streaming through the entire gold medal game. Uh in case you live under a rock, the World Junior Hockey Championships is going on right now. Uh and uh yeah, Canada Canada Czechia here in the uh in the gold medal game. Um, we'll wait for some people to file in. I guess I should announce that I'm live on the internet. That would be a smart thing to do. Um, but yes, I hope the tournament this year has been as wonderful, uh, as it has for everybody else. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, uh, the players I tracked, again, I was away for a lot of the Christmas break and out of town. So the list of guys this week is also quite low. Um, but we started with, uh, Adam Fantilli, Grayson Sochin, uh, move Denver Barkey down a couple of spots. Move Jaden Lipinski down a couple of spots. Uh, Dylan Herkoyan, uh is on the list uh, still. Caden Price moved him down a couple of spots. Um, did a Dmitry Simashev game and moved him down a couple of spots. And Ignat Lutfulin, uh is also down a couple of, or is, is in the same spot as he was. So, uh, so yeah, um, that's what really I got through over the last couple of days since I've been back and uh, back on the grind. Um, I'm, I'm stalling for time as I figure out how to do a tweet because I f- can't seem to figure that out. Um, I'm really enjoying this uh, Connor Bedard feature that they're doing uh, before the game starts, so that's fun. Um, but yes, it's been a, it's been a good time. Um, I guess we can start getting into some questions. Again, if you have any questions, let's fire them away. Let's do the thing and, uh, and, and have some fun. Um, certainly lots of takes that could be, that could be had from this tournament. It's been a a real adventure more in more ways, in more ways than one. And I'm sure we'll go over many of those ways, uh, in the next few hours. Um, so right off the bat, if, if I'm not mistaken, I think I recognize your, uh, your, your avatar there, cool guy from a comment you left about how this tournament has lost its spark in recent years. I mean, that sparks back, baby. It's back. (laughs) Uh, I'm predicting a seven, one type game for Canada. You know what? I would have said the same thing before they played the checks at the beginning of the tournament. Um, I don't know. I, I think Canada has played pretty well throughout this tournament. I think that, you know, the, the power play has been sort of the, the deadly weapon. And I think if the checks can stay out of the box, which I don't, I think they should be able to. They don't have a ton of guys that I think are super prone to taking penalties. Um, they should be okay at it, and maybe they can sort of hold Canada back for a while. Um, but I don't know. I get the feeling that at some point, uh, the you know something's gonna happen. The dam's gonna break. But you know what? Um, the Czechs have Thomas Suhanik in net, who has been excellent for them all throughout the tournament. Um, who else has been out? I mean, they just have had so many, so many really good performances. Marcel Marcel, Gabriel Struck, uh, has been great. Um, you know, they've, they've, they're playing, right? The checks are going to come out and push Canada around. They're going to play them hard. They're going to play them tight. They're going to take every chance they can get. Um, and you know what? We'll see how it goes. Um, I, I don't think this is going to be a blowout, but I can see how Canada might gain a little bit more momentum as the game goes on. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like Canada is not the favorite, but at this tournament, I am not, I, at this tournament, I'm not, I'm not, 
I'm not predicting anything. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I, I'm not, I'm certainly not predicting a blowout. Uh, but I also certainly wouldn't have predicted, uh, an eight, seven bronze medal game, which was also insane. Um, no, 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 After Beastead's performance, has San Jose, how has San Jose's decision to trade back at the 2022 draft aged? Well, I mean, Beastead had a good tournament on a team that underperformed. Um, I thought Beastead played pretty well. He's been good in the SHL. I think, uh, I, I think that there's a lot of, um... You know, I th I think there's a lot of time before we really sort of understand what goes on there. I mean, I don't know. I, I think that that trade in the first place isn't a bad thing at all. And I thought Beastead as a late first round pick was perfectly acceptable. Uh, you know, he's, he's maybe not the most incredibly high ceiling pick, but I mean, he's big and skilled and physical and there's a lot you can do with that. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I think at the end of the day, like... In last year's draft, I mean, they had the 11th overall pick, and, you know, 11th overall in last year's draft, I didn't think made that much of a difference from 11th to 25th or whatever it was. And the guy that, you know, and, and, and there were plenty of players available later in the first round where if someone was offering me that package for the 11th overall pick, I would have been happy to pass it up. So Beastead might be a bit of a, of a riskier option, but I don't think it's risky in the sense of he's going to not work out. It was risky in the sense of, like, well, there might be players that end up better, but... I don't know. I, I, I think it's, I think he's just had a, a good season. Um, I mean, I remember Beasthead two years ago and he looked really good, uh, at the junior level. And I just felt like he kind of plateaued last year, but he had these moments of really high skill play that you just wanted to see more of. And he just wasn't really doing a whole lot of it, but yeah, perfectly reasonable. And, and I think he's had a really strong tournament, uh, or had a really strong tournament and on, on a team where I think, uh, they had some issues. Um, thoughts on Radel Zamaldinov? Yeah, I watched him earlier this week uh, on the recommendation of uh, Dylan Griffin. I haven't. I got to go back and actually like look in detail because I only watched little bits and pieces here and there of him. I don't know. I I, I didn't really see as much out of him that 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 Dylan did. Um, I don't know if Dylan has made his thoughts public on him, but I think he's a fan. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's an undersized guy. He's got a he's got a lot of pace in his game. He moves his feet uh, pretty well and and drives guys onto their heels and does a lot of the things that I kind of want to see. But um, I'm gonna give it a little bit of time for him to come back from injury and 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 see how things go because uh, I feel like he just doesn't quite have his feet under him yet. It's he's a little bit behind the pace of play right now. I, I'm not really sure about his finishing ability um, at that level, but I'll I'll swing around and take another look because he's on my list to to take a pretty detailed look at at some point. Uh, how challenging is it to incorporate new information into evaluations or move off previous feelings? Wa, uh, uh, Wa and Sfozel are examples of players I feel like I feel you anchor to in terms of not giving them credit for improving. So I knew I know that there's going to be a lot of questions about Josh Wa, and I still remain steadfast that he's not as good as his production indicates. I don't I I don't really care what anyone tells me anymore. I'm watch I watched some highlights of him and some ice time of him from this tournament on my train ride home from work today, and he's still Josh Wa. You know, if you look at the numbers that compare transition data between him and Stankoven and Bedard, he's not participating in transitions. He's a guy that's making the outlet passes. He's the guy that's filling space as the trailing forward. He's going to the net, getting passes from Bedard, getting passes from Stankoven, getting the rebounds and burying them. Like, that's great. He had a fantastic penalty killing shift last year, like or last night. I can't fault him for... Uh, you know, l being resilient and, and, and hanging on to the puck and sort of being a, a boulder on skates. But 
I still, I don't know. I've watched a lot of Jer. I've I've watched a lot of Wah, uh, Josh Wah over the years, and I still like he's having a good tournament. Like he's having a very good tournament. But I, again, if he wasn't, I feel like if he wasn't playing with Logan Stankoven and Connor Bedard, it, 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 he's just he it's he's playing like a guy where I feel like he's doing what he's asked. And someone was saying, oh, Connor Bedard you know, said he's his favorite player to play with or, or something along those lines. And it's like, well, yeah, like he knows where to go. Like you put, he knows, he knows how to find space in the offensive end. And if you're Connor Bedard, you're either shooting the puck and scoring on your own or just find, just find Josh Waugh and he'll, he'll tap it in. Like he knows where to go to find off offensive, offensive space. Like that's great. But there, you know, again, we're not talking about junior production. We're talking about NHL players. And I still don't think that it's quite there. And Sfosel, I was, I had Sfosel like significantly higher than a lot of people in my draft, like in 2020, I think it was, or 2021, I had him well into the first round when lots of people had him in the second round. So I'm not sure what you mean uh, about being anchored and not giving them credit for improving. He's had a very good tournament. Um, I don't know. No one's asked me about Sfosel in weeks or months. Um, but how, how hard is it to incorporate new info into evaluations? Like again, on a lot of these guys, nothing really has changed in this tournament. I think the only thing that really has changed to me is that Connor Bedard is definitely, definitely, definitely a step ahead of Adam Fantilli. Like, for sure. uh, Gavin Brindley has looked phenomenal in this tournament, and in my opinion, uh, you know, he he anchored himself as a first-round pick in this tournament. Like, I was looking for him to be Gavin Brindley, and he's been better than what I've seen a lot of the time in Michigan, and I think that goes to show, like, he was in college, but now he's back against junior competition, and he could always produce against junior competition. Um, so I, I've been really impressed with him. So, I mean, I don't know. It, it's I don't really mind. You know, I go into this tournament with, when I look at these players, like the ones I'm familiar with, I try to just evaluate and go, what am I expecting out of them and what do I get out of them? Um, and a lot of guys, it's about what I expect. Like Josh Waugh, like, yeah, he's playing like Josh Waugh has always played. Maybe he's playing like the best version of Josh Waugh that I've seen, but he's still Josh Waugh. You know, um, Stanislav Swazil, like, he's playing like the best version of Stanislav Swazil that I've seen in a long time. Like, the thing I always said about him was like, I don't really know what he's going to be, but you could take him in a number of different directions, and it might take some time to sort of figure out what kind of a balance in his game he's going to have. Um, but... It's, I don't know. I don't really find it challenging because also I go into this tournament going, it's a six game tournament. Like there's not, it's, it, it, there's not much that I think can radically change your views unless it's like something radically beyond what you expected. Like for me, Connor Bedard, I could go into detail for five minutes about all the things that he's doing in this tournament that it with Regina, like he doesn't need to do or either doesn't care to do or doesn't have to do. It doesn't matter. He just doesn't do them, but he doesn't have to. Uh, and you're seeing a lot more sort of diversability out of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all about expectations for me. And, and a lot of these guys, it's been about what I've, what I've expected. Um, you know, like any, any, anyway, it's, it's, it is what it is. Uh, any guys you may have underlooked the past couple of years changed your view on them positively due to the world juniors. I mean, not really. I mean, I think, I think in a, like they're interviewing Brant Clark right now. And I think with Brant Clark, it's an interesting, it's a, it's an interesting story of a guy where I had concerns where a lot of people didn't and they kind of are still there, especially defensively. Like Clark is a guy who loves to play with skill, 
loves to play loves to play with 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 confidence and i just am i've never been totally sure that the 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 quickness and agility level necessary to play that way from the back end has always been there and i feel like that's why he was one of the later guys in that top group in 2020 to be drafted uh or 2021 i can't even remember off the top of my i should i should not have a problem with this but any in any case um but anyway uh, uh yeah it's but it's funny to see how a couple of years later you see a guy like brant clark and you're like okay these issues are still there. Like he's having a good tournament again. It's like, he's a top 10 draft pick and this is his last year of eligibility. Like you should expect him to be one of the better players on the ice. And honestly, like when I look at the Canadian team and who's really impressed me, like that list is Stankoven, Bedard and, and, uh, Milich in net, like though in terms of really, really like game changingly impressive, um, off the top of my head, like that's, that's who has really, really stood out. Um, but on other teams, I think there's a lot more of a supporting cast that's actually driving good results. Like I was looking at the instat data from the game against the States last night. Uh, the States had one player under a 50% Corsi percentage last night, and it was Jackson Blake. Like everyone else was a net positive possession player and they lost that game. Like it, it, this is hockey, this is hockey, right? This is how it works. Um, but I'm trying to remember of other, any other guys over the last couple of years where the world junior sort of changed what I thought, um, like not really, right? Like I, I, I don't think you should completely shift how you think about a player based on the World Juniors. It's, it's, it's a good way to see how players play on a big stage and and all that. But you know, this is hockey. Things bounce around. Things happen. Like Fabian Liesel, I think he had the best tournament I've ever seen for a player that had zero points, but also one of the most frustrating tournaments for a player who has so much skill and upside. Like I don't know. Again, like Bedard, I could talk about Liesel in this tournament for an hour. Um. Thoughts on Nord and Lindstein losing ground in comparison to their peers compared to what it seemed like previously? Are they showing weaknesses or are there just better options in Sweden? Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't, it's hard to say because like those guys were always kind of second round, third round options and they're just kind of, you know, like they had some good moments like Nord, I think had a good, uh, I think it was the Five Nations tournament or something. Lindstein, uh, I don't think he's been to any international tournaments except for the Holinka. I could be wrong. Um, and I thought he just kind of looked okay in that tournament, but he was never really a, a serious contender for first round, in my opinion. Um, I, I also think with both of them, like Lindstein is just kind of a good, boring player, like not bad, boring, but he, he gets the job done. Uh, and, uh, and Noel Nord, I think, I think Noel Nord's a long-term bet. I, I wouldn't be surprised if a team drafted him higher than, than, than expected. Like he's in the SHL here and there and not looking out of place there. I've, I've liked him there. Um, and he is ranked on my board and, and I think someone might take a chance on him early. Um, but again, I don't know. I get the, like, I think a lot of people find it very easy to knock people down the, their draft boards if their point production isn't what they expect. And I think with both of those guys, they're not producing a tremendous amount. You know, everybody got kind of excited about Lindstein cause he played in the SHL last year. You know, there's a lot more to the picture than just playing in that league, even when you're 16 years old. Um, but I don't know. It's nothing, it's nothing crazy. Um, I, with both of those players, like I have a decent read on both of them. Um, I think there's a lot of upside with Nord. It's just a matter of like growing into his body, figuring out kind of how he wants to play. Cause he's got some skill, but he's a big, strong kid loves to throw his weight around. You know, he's a, he's a power guy and, and we'll see how it turns out for them. Uh, thoughts on Carlson and Sandin Pelica after this tournament. Uh, Carlson was one of the better Swedes. I thought, I thought he was game in game out, you know, a guy that was continuously cooking, trying to make stuff happen. Um, really, really liked Leo Carlson in this tournament, uh, wire to wire, 
you know, you saw a lot of the sort of playmaking that he can drive from the inside off the rush and his ability to sort of maneuver pucks around pressure and, and all that stuff. I've really liked what I really liked what he brought to the tournament. Sanin Pelika, he played like a 17 year old who was given a big role. Uh, and it was both good and bad. Like there were moments where I'm like, yes, this is Ax Axel Sandin Pelika. And there were other moments where I'm going, yes, this is Axel Sandin Pelika, you know, the overhandling, um, you know, again, it's similar to kind of like Brant Clark where you watch him play and you're like, Hey, I, I know how you want to play. You want to play with skill. You want to play, uh, you want to play with a really, you know, you want to play with a really daring offensive side of your game. And you, if you're going to do that, it better work. And it worked sometimes and it definitely didn't work other times. And that's okay. Um, again, he's only 17 and you know, he was running a power play unit for Sweden in a metal round game. And that's pretty impressive and not looking out of place doing so. Um, it's just, you know, he's, he's a young kid on a team that I thought have, was underperforming and, it's hard. I, I thought he played relatively well. He, I, I, again, I didn't knock him down my draft boards uh, I, at all. I, I thought he I thought he played, he was himself and it wasn't, you know, you saw issues. But again, I, I, I have a hard time faulting a 17-year-old defenseman uh, who does have flaws that I know about coming into a tournament, having a team around him that is okay. I wouldn't say great, but okay. And you know, having trouble sort of taking it over. Like it isn't very common to see draft eligible guys at any level, uh, at, at this tournament, um, really, really driving the bus, uh, except, I mean, this year where we've got a couple, um, Slovakia was fun to watch. That is very true. I told you they would be, uh, I should do an intermission thing where we go through my world junior preview. Cause yeah, I'm, I'm surprised at how much of it actually happened. Um, I was impressed with Simon and Dalibor, Simon, Simone Nemec and Dalibor Dvorsky's play. I'm dis disappointed with Petrovsky due to what he did in August. Yeah. I mean, Petrovsky was okay. I thought he had some moments. Um, I loved, I loved Simone Nemec in this tournament. I thought he played really well. Um, the end, how it ended did not, you know, I don't think that really reflects on him considering he had been on the ice for freaking two minutes. Um, I loved Martin Mishak. I, I was, I was constantly annoying people about Martin Mishak on the discord server. Uh, pretty much from about the first period onward in that game against Canada. Um, I mean, he it was, for a guy that went from a, a an injury replacement for Samuel Hanzik to playing what felt like every other shift and just crushing the Canadians every single time he was out there and driving some really good possession and making some good plays here and there, I thought he looked really good for a draft eligible as well. I thought Dalibor Dvorsky played pretty well. Uh, I wasn't like blown away with him. I, I have Alex Cernik ahead of him, and I thought Alex Cernik played really well in this tournament. Um, but yeah, the Slovakians were a ton of fun to watch. I mean, had I known that a goaltender that wasn't even on their roster to start the season uh, was going to be the hero that that gave them the goaltending that shored up the question that I had for them, uh, they probably would have been a little bit higher on my list. But I mean, I don't know. They were number six on my list. Um, maybe maybe I should have put them ahead of 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 Finland, but then that would have included also putting them ahead of the Czech Republic on my list. And I don't know. I, I, I really thought the Czech Republic was going to have a good team this turn, this tournament. Um, I don't know. It's been, it's been very, very interesting to see how things have gone. Um, but yeah, Slovakia played really, really well. And a lot of their players can come back and probably will come back. And I think that they're going to do some real damage. Um, do I have any thoughts from Dylan Griffin? I don't. I never think. I just I just let my mouth go and, and never and never think. Um 
Oh, they're taking the ice. I also I also have a big bag of, bag of goodies here. I don't know if you can see that. Um, yeah, I've got a nice big bag of goodies here. Uh, so I'm going to open her up and uh, see what we got. See what we got in here. This is, um, yeah, we'll do one of those. I have supplies because I feel like I might be here a while. Uh, this is a uh, 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 this is from a local brewery in Toronto called uh, Bandit Brewery, one of the best, and it's their new uh, winter brew of uh, it's called Cookie Thief. So I'm gonna give one of these a go. Um, had one last night. If you're a fan of of sort of weedy, oaty stouts, um, I also don't advocate drinking, so please drink responsibly if you are going to partake, and please be of legal drinking age. Uh, drinking as a teenager is not cool. Um. I find myself rooting for Shane and Canada to win tonight despite them beating America since Shane is a Kraken prospect. What have you thought of his tournament so far? It seems like he hasn't been a major contributor aside from being set up on the, uh, from a number of slot shots from the power play. Yeah, Shane Wright has been kind of meh in this tournament. Like, he's been okay, but again, I mentioned this earlier. Like, a lot of Canada, I felt, has looked okay, especially at 5-on-5. Five five. Like, they've been very physical and very uh intense um but i wouldn't call them like overwhelming at five on five in this tournament so far um so just don't take penalties against them and see how it goes um but yeah i mean shane wright has been okay again the shot is his weapon and he's been using it um and i, I don't know i feel like also like it's dangerous to uh, underrate him because uh, i think he's been pretty good uh but not like incredible um, but definitely after having watched this tournament, I am kicking myself for being a coward, uh, and not putting Cooley ahead of him at one. I mean, but I don't think I would have put right any further back, but after watching Cooley in this tournament, I'm going, yeah, I should have gone with my gut on that one and, uh, and been, and been a little braver. So that's something to file away for later. Cause those two, the, the difference between those two in this tournament has been quite something. Uh, the criticism with the Beastead Pit was never about trading back. It was about who they left on the board of 27. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I think if you if you get a good third-line center with your late first-round pick, you've done really well. Like, yeah, you could have swung harder and hit a home run, but I think Beastead is showing more than enough capability of being a good transition center with a lot of size and, and some good skill. Um, a guy who will chip in defensively and do the right things a lot of the time, and I think that that matters. Um... How much is Brindley's offensive upside? I, I, I mean, I thought he has done a tremendous job uh, distributing the puck in the offensive zone. I mean, I don't know how many goals he's going to score in the NHL, but he just is a tremendous 200-foot guy uh, with with a great sense, uh, with great great sense of placing his passes and doing so many things right, um, and and with a, a lot of intensity and a lot. I admire how he plays a lot, and I think that he has been a really really tremendous. Uh, player for the American team better than better than I expected him to be um but this is part of the part of the surprise of watching this tournament uh re really impressive season or really impressive tournament from from Brindley um I might be a little bit distracted because the game just started uh but anyway um people calling Bedard the best since McDavid and some are even giving him the label of since Crosby and thinking he'll have the same impact on the team as Sid on the pens reality check in October. Or is that true? Uh, you know, I, I don't think Connor Bedard is going to have an, any issues scoring points in the NHL. I think, you know, I don't know about, I don't really like attaching labels like best prospect since whoever, 
I think, but I do think, I do think Connor Bedard is going to be one of these guys who has a career where you go, who else is like Connor Bedard? And you literally can't think of another player. Like, like I think of Alex Ovechkin, not, uh, I'm not comparing them as similar players, but I'm saying like, when you look at Alex Ovechkin and how he's played in the NHL and how his career has gone from start to finish and, and all the ups and downs and all of that stuff, like, is there ever going to be another Alex Ovechkin? Probably not. You know, Sidney Crosby, like, I feel like there have been players like, like Sidney Crosby before, but maybe just not quite on the overall, like, good at everything to the point of, like, God status that Sidney Crosby has. But I mean, like, there are players that play a similar brand. But when I look at Connor Bedard, I look at him and go, I don't think there's going to be anyone like him in the NHL. I don't think we've seen anyone like him in the NHL. I don't think we ever, I don't think we will for a while. Um, but I do think he will be a player in the NHL that has very, very, very strong benefits with small downsides. Um, you know, like I look at Connor Bedard and go, you know, if he ends up being a winger at the NHL level, I would not be surprised. And I honestly wouldn't be too upset about it because of Oh, Canada's taking a penalty right away. And it's Nathan Gaucher sick. Uh, good start. But I mean, I look at Connor Bedard and, and I see a guy who is Connor Bedard. Like you, you, you look at how he's able to get pucks through traffic. Like there's, I'm rambling now, but but it's because there's just so much from this tournament that you can take away from Bedard that that you see in spurts in Regina. But like, it's really incredible how he's able to turn any situation into a scoring chance and in some way. So if he's far from the net and he doesn't really see a route in or he doesn't see a play that can be made, he has the ability to just rifle it into the net from from pretty much wherever. Um, and and he'll he has the confidence to try stuff like that from the goal line. Will that work in the NHL? Maybe, maybe not. Probably not. Probably not. But you know what? Keep those shots low from the goal line and maybe you create rebounds and you get more points that way. Like, that's perfectly legitimate. Um, you know, I look at Connor Bedard and see a guy who, you know, can tip pucks in front of the net. If he finds space in front of the net, he'll tip it. Uh, if, he, if he can fetch a rebound, he'll fetch a rebound. Like, what... Like th there's so many things that he does that just add up to a, such a complete offensive game that... It's, you know, he'll figure something out that will work in the NHL and he will score a lot. Um, whether it's at center, whether it's at, on the wing, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up as a, as a winger in the, in the future, um, just to alleviate sort of the defensive responsibility that I think he's doesn't struggle with, but I think it's not necessarily a strong point, but that's okay. Right? Like, I think it's perfectly acceptable that he, he, he is a, an, a heavily offensive leaning point machine that that can do it all at pretty much any situation um, and, 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 and do it in a very variety of different ways. And I don't know if there's another NHL player out there quite like that. Like Kirill Kaprizov maybe comes to mind, but I see Connor Bedard as more of a threatening goal scorer than that. So like, it's maybe up that alley and, and he's been saw and Kaprizov has been good, right? Like I, I wonder how Kaprizov's career would have gone if he did come straight into North America after being drafted and had the North American development pipeline rather than maybe taking things a little slower and a little easier in Russia for so long. But in any case, like it's, that's, that's kind of what's been really, really cool about Bedard in this tournament for me. And, and when people say, oh, he's the best prospect since person, 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 I go, well, one, never count your chickens before they hatch. But two, I look at Connor Bedard as a player where I'm like, he's going to be Connor Bedard. Like, I don't know how good of an NHL player he will certainly be. Like, if someone gave me a point projection, like, I don't know. Like, 
I feel like he, he he's going to do whatever he wants though. And it's going to be awesome. Um, but I, I think that he is going to be one of these players that when we look back on him in his career, it's like, he, you can't compare him to anyone because there's no one that's like him. And, and, and it's going to be hard to identify if there's going to be another player that comes along quite like him at, at 17 years old. Um, did you catch any Czechia games? How has David Spacek looked? Yeah, I've watched, I've watched, I think I've watched most of the games in this tournament, like most of them. Um, especially the ones that are like against the real high end teams, like not Germany and, and Australia or Austri Austria. Um, you know, I thought Switzerland and Latvia looked okay in this tournament. Um, but I think, I think, I think most of the games against, you know, that, that were major opponents, I, I watched Spotcheck looked good. He's one of those guys where I kind of came in and didn't really have a ton of expectations. And he was really impressive this tournament. Like he's moving his feet. Well, he gets the puck up the ice really well. Um, you know, looks good. He looks good in this tournament. I, I, I thought that for a guy who is in his last world junior tournament, like he has been, I think in, in, if this, if Connor Bedard and, and Logan Stankoven weren't in this tournament, I think he would have be one of the more underrated sort of fun case studies to look at from, from this tournament. Cause I, I didn't really have that many expectations, but he's been a big, a big reason why, you know, uh, Czechia has still been threatening even when guys like Fazil or, um, or Juracek have been, you know, are not, are not touching the puck or not on the ice or whatever. I thought, I thought he's filled things in pretty well. Um, who do you think has or had the better shot in their, in their draft year, Matthews or Bedard? Um, it's hard because I didn't see much of Matthews in his draft year. Uh, so I might have to go back and see if I could find some old tape of him. I don't know where I'd find that, but maybe, um, I th I think based on what I've seen out of Austin Matthews over the years and Connor Bedard is I think Connor Bedard is maybe he doesn't you know I think Connor Bedard has I don't know it's hard it's hard to explain I I I think there's a bit more of a complete sort of dual threat offensive game out of Bedard right now than than an offensive one I I get the feeling that that Matthews was more of a of a get the puck into dangerous space and get your shots off from there kind of guy. Whereas Bedard is just, I can shoot the crap out of a hockey puck and I'm going to do it from wherever. And that's fine. Like, that's cool, right? Like he has had, I think 10 shot attempts per game at even strength, like in this entire tournament per game, which is insane. Um, really, really incredible. And so, I don't know. I think they're just doing this. Sim they're doing similar things, but differently. And, and I think that where there's a bit of a difference is Bedard has a bit more of a playmaker's game than, than Matthews did at the, at the same age, but they're both tremendous prospects. And I think Bedard's the best, best NHL prospect we've seen since Austin Matthews, um, and, and Connor McDavid. Uh, thoughts on David Reinbacher, this tournament. Again, I went in with a certain set of expectations about him, and he was David Reinbacher, right? Like, he is a guy that is dependable, safe, physical, a decent outlet passer. He's got a heck of a shot in the offensive zone as well. I thought he's, I thought he was good. Um, you know, in it's, hard, it's hard because his team was atrocious. The Austrian team was not very good and probably shouldn't have been there in the first place. But because of relegation rules and everything, because of COVID... Uh, they were still there and they really, really, really struggled. Um, but that's okay. You know, it happens. It's all good. It's all good. Next year we get the Norwegian team and they'll be fun. Um, 
but yeah, I thought Reinbacher looked okay. Um, you know, again, the same issues were still there. Again, it was David Reinbacher. He wasn't one of these guys that came in and wowed me. Um, I thought he he tried to play a bit physical here and there, and he just doesn't have the strength yet to do that. Um, a good outlet passer, but I didn't see him much as, as much of like a puck carrier, which also trends along with what I've got in the data work that I've done. Um, I, I mean, I was kind of hoping that the, uh, the strategy with Austria was like, this guy is by far the best player on the team. We just give him the puck and let him fly and be free. And, and we'll, if we lose 12, nothing when he's doing that, then so be it. And it seemed like they kind of wanted him to play as more of a typical defenseman, which is fine. Um, but he just, cause he was David Reinbacher. Like I thought he played okay. Um, it's just also really tough when he's on the team that he was on. Um, is there a world where Bedard doesn't translate well to the NHL? I mean, it depends on what you mean by translate well. I think there's a world where Bedard has an adjustment period to the NHL. And I think the only way that something goes horribly wrong for Bedard is, I mean, he does this thing sometimes in the offensive zone. And I've seen it a few times in this tournament where he'll cut across the middle drag the puck behind him a little bit and try for a quick shot from in between in in the middle of the ice and and he cuts it you know he cuts across the railroad tracks looking for looking to open up defenses and and open up goaltenders force them to move laterally a little bit which is fine um but until the wrong guy's on the other side of a hit there and you do get destroyed not saying that that's going to happen but I'm just you you asked right um I I don't know I don't think he's going to have a problem scoring you know, in his rookie season, if he if he, if he isn't a five on five, you know, a good five on five player right away, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't just plant him on your power play and just let him shoot the puck as many times as he wants to sort of figure it out. Um, especially if it's a team like Anaheim, where the expectations would be not really that high for them next year, and it's like let's see what happens with this kid. Um, and I'm I'm fully on board the bandwagon for Connor Bedard in Anaheim. By the way, I I I've put my I put my chips down for that. Uh oh, nope. Um, so yeah. Um, I I mean I I think it would be extraordinarily unlikely for him to really struggle to to translate to the NHL. Um, I mean I think his shooting habits are a little bit questionable, but it's hard to be it's hard to question the guy's shooting habits when at least when I look at the data that I've tracked already. Like yes, he's shooting a lot from low danger, like more than a lot of defensemen would, but he's also shooting from dangerous space more than most guys. Like he's just shooting the puck constantly. Like constantly, constantly, constantly. Um and so I, I, I think that uh you know, maybe there's a bit of refinement that has to come from there. But again, when you see how he distributes the puck in this tournament and you see how he's moved the puck around and how how he's made plays like that goal, I think he fed Josh Waugh. Um, that pass like across his body from the corner was just unbelievable. Like that's the kind of pass that I just haven't seen from him uh, in Regina this season yet. I mean, maybe he's been doing that in the games I haven't watched, but that's, ooh, yikes. Um, but yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think in general that there's going to be any reason why he can't be a, a tremendous NHL hockey player. Uh, and he's been he's been far better in this tournament than I thought he would be. I mean, again, Canada had Germany and Austria in the same group, and both of those teams were awful. Um, so, you know, like I, I think I, I haven't updated this in a while, but, but but Austria and Germany were so far beneath everyone else in terms of goals for percentage. Uh, and, and, you know, it showed, right? Like they weren't very good. Uh, and Connor Bedard pummeled them. He just pummeled those teams and oh, there it is. Oh, offside. 
that's sad. Oh, well. Um, but yeah, I, again, to answer your question for the fourth time, uh, I don't, I don't think it's entirely possible that, uh, I don't, I don't think it's very likely that he has a, a trouble, uh, has trouble getting going in the NHL. Thoughts on the Your Garden boys? Yeah, you know what? I would be lying if I didn't say I expected more. Uh, I thought they were going to be very focal um, for this team. I thought that was going to be, you know, when I looked at this team and saw the Your Garden boys with Fabian Liesel and Simone Robertson and Leo Carlson, I thought this team is going to score. Isaac Rasin, like this team is going to be offensive. Like this team can push things. They've got Kali Odelius. They've got Ludwig Janssen. They've got all these guys that have offensive tools but they struggled to make to, to do anything offensively in this tournament until the bronze medal game, of course. I don't know what that's all about, but they they really struggled. And I think when I looked at the junior at the at the Jurgarden guys, like I thought Ogren played pretty well. You know, Oslin didn't. Uh, it's weird. Like sometimes with with Swedish teams, like the fast guys. Oh boy. Oh. Yikes. Um, I find with Swedish teams, the difference between a player's style of play locally and internationally can be enormous. Like, Noah Oslin didn't really look like Noah Oslin in this tournament. He didn't really have a lot of pace in his game. He wasn't very quick. The skill level wasn't really there. Jonathan Lekaramaki, like, I don't really remember much of him from this tournament, like, at all. Uh, and, 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 and so again, like, this is why I don't really like, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to look at them and be like, oh, wow, they're terrible prospects all of a sudden. But, you know, it is, it is funny because when I, what I, when I watched them last year and tracked a bunch of games of all of them, you know, Lakaramaki had problems. He had, he had the same problems that so many scoring wingers have that can get exposed in tournaments like this. You know, Noah Osland, he had, he had, he was a lot of fun to watch, but he had issues that led to really lackluster five on five production that was troubling to me. Liam Ogren did not have the same amount of concerns and a little bit more certainty. And I think he was the best of the three in this tournament, but even he was kind of okay. Um, but again, it's not the end of the world. Like they can all, I think they all, except for Osland, I think, I think Ogren and Lakaramaki can come back, I think. Lakaramaki can definitely come back. Oh, Oslin can come back. Ogren might be able to come back. Let me check. Because I need his birthday. Yeah, he can't he can barely come back, but he's coming back. So like the Swedes are gonna have a lot of guys for a home ice tournament for next year. They're gonna have eleven guys coming back, which is cool. Um so I'm hoping that next year goes a little bit better for them. Uh, because those guys are talented. I, I don't know what went wrong for Sweden, but it was a tough one. Um, who's the best defenseman for Canada? Their defense has given up many goals and chances earlier. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've, I've liked Zellweger in this tournament. I thought he's played pretty well. Um, other than that, yeah, I mean, they haven't been great, right? Like Kevin Korczynski, I think has been, he's had some good offensive moments, but my problems with him were always on the other side of the puck, and those are kind of there still. Uh, I've liked Del Mastro at times, but again, like he's you know inopportune penalties here and there. But I, I've thought Del Mastro's played played decently well. Um, but I think Zellweger's been the guy that I've I've enjoyed watching the most. Um, Josh Waugh thoughts? Oh, we went over that earlier. I, nothing has changed. I, I watched Josh Waugh in this tournament and go, wow, that's a really good version of Josh Waugh. But that's Josh Waugh. Um, any interesting prospects from Europe, not from the top countries this year? Um, yeah, I mean, not a ton. I'm really interested. 
people are going to laugh. But I'm really interested in uh, a French guy. Uh, he's a two-times undrafted guy who's a point per game in the French – oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. In, uh, in, uh, in the French Pro League, Thomas Simonson, he's 5'9", I think, 5'10". And he has been uh, – really good uh and he's playing for the french national team here and there and he is looking like a little buzzsaw dynamite kid uh a lot of fun to watch and and maybe you don't draft him but someone to keep an eye on i'm trying to think um yeah i mean i don't think there's that many like there's a couple of norwegians like petter vesterheim has been good in norway i mean david reinbacher of course uh-oh. Oh, Canada's on the power play. Right on. But yeah, I mean, there isn't a ton from random countries that I've really gotten behind. Marius Kring-Anderson for Denmark is an interesting guy, but I don't know if I would draft him. I gotta see this penalty. Huh. Okay. All right, here comes a goal from Canada. That's going to happen. Okay. Uh, what grade would you give to Wright, Stankoven, Robertson, Odelius, Duke, Lambert, and Newman for their world juniors? Grade, uh, Shane Wright will say a B minus, Stankoven an A, Robertson B plus, Adelius C plus, I guess, Duke B, B, Lambert, I'd say B minus, and Newman B minus, I guess. Uh, do you think Yuri Tiachek will finally get drafted? Uh, no. Tiachek has been okay in this tournament. I, I again, I, I try to be as charitable as I can with Tiachek because I, lo I love him. I think, uh, I think Tiachek brings a lot of good traits to the game, and I think there has been times where he's played really well in this in this tournament. But I also, he, I don't know what's going on with him this year because he's taken a big step back. He's one of the worst. He went from one of the better possession guys on his team last year to one of the worst this year. Um, he went, you know, he, he's one of the worst goals for differential guys on his team relative to his own team. He's bad. Um, but with the, with the Czech team this year, he's played pretty well. Uh, you know, his, his, again, I watch him and I've been watching him for years. And, and I, I again, I, I want to see, you know, he seems to have lost a step of his quickness from before. Um, the shot he's relying on his shot way more, I think, than he should, than he should. Like, every time he's touching the puck, it's like a 60-70% chance that he's just going to grab it and fire it on net. And that just, it it's fun, but you you he could be doing so much more, I think. Um, and uh, I just, I don't know, it's been, it's been frustrating to me because uh, it's been a couple of years where, you know, he's stagnated or arguably maybe hasn't gotten much better. Uh, which of Buffalo's prospects do you like the most to be good NHLers? Rosian, Oslinder, Coolidge. Oh, there it is. That's one. Don't take penalties against Canada. Let Canada take penalties against you. Don't take penalties against Canada. Simple game plan. Uh, I would say, um, I mean, I want to say Osland. 
I think realistically, I would go, oh god, uh, I'd go Coolidge maybe realistically, but I, I want Oslin to be peak level Noah Oslin in the NHL, that's what I want. Uh, in your opinion, how did Strammel look in this tournament? I went into the season not liking this game, but this throughout the season he's grown on me a bit. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, again, he's another one of these guys where, you know, early in the year I thought he was not very good, uh, with Wisconsin. I thought he started his NCAA career really, really sloppy, um, not really moving his feet as much as he could, you know, the skill wasn't really there, and, and, oh my goodness, Nolan Allen, oh my god. <sighs> Sheesh, Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, I went, yeah, I, I, I thought he played really well in this tournament though. Like I see, I see very much like a Jordan Greenway type guy there. He's big, he's physical, you know, he's got some skill like Jordan Greenway underrated. Like he was a good college player, you know? Um, and, and, and I felt like Greenway and, and, and Strammel sort of have similar tendencies. I think if you put a little bit more weight on, on Strammel, uh, you're you're gonna end up with a really really good power a really good skilled power forward who can make a play off the boards. Um, maybe not the most intense sort of net front uh, offense guy, but I I think there could be uh, a lot to like with him um, if things go the right way over the next few years at college. But he's been moving up my board since the beginning of the year. Uh, thoughts on Pavel Mitchukov winning his third straight OHL Defenseman of the Month? It is good, good for him. Uh, he is scoring lots of points as he should be. Uh, and, uh, he's doing well. It is good. Thoughts on having the NHL age limit moved up a year would potentially make projections better. Give top prospects a better start, more marketable and harder to ruin by being forced into the league early. Um, I mean, I don't, people ask me this a lot. And at the end of the day, I don't really care because I think, I think that what's wrong about the situation now Ooh, Connor Bedard. Uh oh. Uh, I I think I think what's wrong about this about the system now isn't age, but flexibility. Like the but the players come from all over the world, and depending on where they come from and what month they were born in, like they could have any number of different playing situations that they are stuck in. Especially North Americans uh, or Canadians, I should say, because they're stuck in the CHL, right? Like they give the CHL this like special treatment of like, Hey, we won't take their, take your players until they're a certain age. Whereas in college, if the player wants to leave college, they can leave college. Um, I don't know. It's, it's very, very, it's very weird. Um, if you move it up a year, fine. Like if that's what you want to do, um, I have nothing against that idea. Um, but I also look at it and go, well, yeah, but would you really want Connor Bedard back in junior for a year, right? Like maybe there's an exceptional player status or something that you could have. Um, but I'm also on team abolish the draft anyway. So I don't know. I don't really, again, like it's like with the draft, like when people ask me about the draft lottery or ask me about the draft itself or whatever, it's like, I don't really care. Like if they make these little changes to the rules to like do things differently like there's probably reasoning that makes sense to to make those changes whatever like i i get it people are going to be upset no matter what you do when you make big changes like that it's just how the world works but i don't know i i, I just don't really i don't really have strong feelings about the the rules of the of the draft or the rules of whatever it's like it just is what it is and you got to operate within those rules and it'll change uh could you compare smith's data this year with what you remember from cooley's last year i mean 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, Will Smith is a guy who I actually have to go and watch more of, so his data is pretty incomplete relative to some other guys in this year so far. So I've got him, Moore, and Leonard scale are, uh, are prepped for next week, so I'll know more next week. But, I mean, Will Smith is similar, but things are kind of ramped up in terms of volume, like the pr- production volume, uh, you know, the, 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 the production volume of, of things like slot passes and, and connecting on those is extraordinarily high right now. Uh, I don't think it's sustainably high, but if it does stay sustainably high, then yes, Will Smith is a tremendous prospect, at least offensively. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's a little bit more with, but they're, they're, they're somewhat similar, but I think Moore has a little bit less pace and a little bit, a similar amount of sort of creativity and adaptive thinking that that helps him. And I think his hands are just a little bit better than where Cooley's was, but they're also, I don't know, it's pretty close. Like Cooley was a pretty rock solid top two for me last year. Uh, he was the most fun player to watch last year. I'm not putting Will Smith any higher than I have him right now. And I think I have him at six. Um, maybe he gets past Zach Benson by the end of the year, but I don't, I don't think he's going to go anywhere higher than that past Crystal, uh, Carlson, uh, Fantilli and Bedard. Um, but he brings a lot of really, really high end talents really reminds me of like a Clayton Keller type guy. Um, and I, I, I don't mind that. Uh, thoughts on Josh Philmon. Uh, I've only seen him a little bit. Um, not, I don't know. I've never been crazy about him. He's shooting, shooting the crap out of hockey pucks and, and he can do that. Um, but I don't know. I, I've never really was taken with his NHL potential, but, uh, you know, he's, he's an interesting offensive guy. Uh, is Joshua carrying the line tournament MVP? Yes. Uh, tournament MVP, get him, give him a car, give him a free car. Uh, give him all the, all the sticks that are left over for player of the game. Like he just deserves everything. Just shower him and stuff. Um, who's the best skater in this draft class? I mean, Bedard is pretty up there. Fantilli is also quite up there, especially when you factor in the guys, you know, the size of the player. Uh, Fantilli's pretty good at skating for a guy that size. Um, I mean, also, if you want to consider size, I would put Dmitry Simashev in there. He's a, he's a wonderful skater for a guy that size. Uh, I was doing the game I did of him today. Oh, what a hit. Uh, the game I did of him today, uh, or yesterday, he, uh, he did two spinoramas. One worked beautifully. The other very much did not, but you don't see many six foot five, 17 year old defenders doing that. Um, how's Zach Ostapchuk doing in this tournament? He's been playing pretty well. I mean, I, I, again, Canada has a lot of these sort of North South physical guys and Ostapchuk is another one, him and Gaucher, Bankier, Colton Dock, I would say maybe more than Bankier. Um, they just have these guys that are good at skating in a straight line. They're fast and they're physical. Um, and he's doing that. He's got a bit of skill too. He's been a bit of an offensive producer for them, which is nice. Um, but yeah, uh, he's, he's been, he's been decent. I need to hydrate. What is Adam Fantilli doing there passing? You just got a free, you just got a free look at the goalie and you get a, you're Adam Fantilli, like rip it. He scored 40 goals in the USHL last year, and you're almost a league leader in scoring for the NCAA. Just rip it. Um, that one extra pass, right? That's the stuff that kills teams like Canada. It's stuff that kills the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's it's stuff that kills high skill teams. Is when you make that extra pass. Um, like that that one worked. That one that last one there worked to Fantilli and Fantilli put it on net. There you go, bud. 
yeah, Fan- I love Adam Fantilli. Like, he's not getting the attention, which, you know, makes sense because Connor Bedard has been phenomenal in this tournament, but Fantilli has been, you know, his moments that are good have been really, really, really wonderful, I think. Uh, how big is the gap between Fantilli and Carlson? Close enough to be debatable or not close? How do they compare? I would say, I, I mean, I pretty firmly have my, I so I changed my draft ranking during the tournament you know, Bedard is in a tier of his own now and Fantilli's in a tier of his own. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, do I, it's kind of like the McDavid Eichel thing. Like Eichel could go first overall in any given NHL draft. Um, oh boy. Nice save. Um, where was I? Oh yeah. But I, I think, I think Fantilli is a, is a step ahead of Carlson. I think he's a better skater. I think he's more skilled. I think he's a better shooter. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that, uh, I think, I think that they're debatable in the sense of like, I think Carlson brings some of the things that Fantilli does pretty well, and maybe he could get there in the future, but I still look at Fantilli and go, I think it's, it'd be very, very hard for me to pass on Adam Fantilli at second overall, uh, to go for Leo Carlson, but it would also be, oh boy. Uh, but it would be very difficult for me to pass on Leo Carlson, um, for a guy like Andrew Crystal or Zach Benson or Will Smith or, uh, Axel Sandin Pelica or whoever else I have ranked pretty high this year right now. Um... If if Anaheim gets Bedard, they will have basically zero defense. Well, the good thing about Bedard about the good thing about Anaheim having Connor Bedard is that they have Connor Bedard and uh, and 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 Mason McTavish and Trevor Zegras and Jamie Drysdale's still there. Um, they also drafted oh, Noah Warren and Tristan Luneau, I guess. Uh, and they're not done drafting. And also, you can also sign people and like trade to get people. So I'm sure they'll deal with that problem when that pro they also have Mentukov in the way like they've got they got they got stuff they're gonna be okay uh and I think if Anaheim gets Connor Bedard it would be much better for the league as a whole than if he goes to like I don't know maybe Montreal it would be good for the league but I get the feeling that if Connor Bedard goes to Anaheim with Trevor Zegras those two will be like some of the biggest stars in hockey and when you have some of the biggest stars in hockey playing in the states that makes hockey a bigger sport in the States. And when hockey is a bigger sport in the States with 10 times the market that Canada is in terms of population, you make a lot more money. So I would say that Bedard and Anaheim would not only be good for, you know, the California vibes, but it would also be good just for the game. And I think it would put hockey much, much more on the map uh, in the States than than it already is like if Connor mcdavid were in anaheim i feel like Connor mcdavid would be everywhere um but he's in Ed- he's in edmonton right like go oilers uh thoughts on brad lambert after another subpar tournament so look brad lambert was not great in this tournament but i also don't think he was as bad as people are saying i again him and lee sell both of those guys are on teams where they're just they're not they're not built for playing with guys like that. The, the, I feel like Brad Lambert on Canada or the US would do significantly better. 
Um, Brad Lambert was, again, often the first guy in the offensive zone. And no one was there with him. He would circle back along the boards because there's nothing to do. Uh, I, I thought Lambert chipped in defensively pretty well. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, there were some frustrating moments for sure from Brad Lambert. But I also look at him and go, like, there's something with Scandinavian hockey right now that is just not quite right. It's 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 not. It's something's weird where, you know, these these high skill, high pace guys are surrounded by okay dudes and they are trying to do too much on their own. Um So I don't know. I I just I don't know. I have a hard time yelling about Brad Lambert in this in in this tournament based on what I saw of him. Um I think Finland you know, I think Finland performed about how they could have performed based on the team they had. They've had a weak few drafts in a row now, and the only guy that's really sort of been a bucking that trend in my view is Brad Lambert. But the reason, the reasons why he didn't really produce much last year, I think were the same reasons why he wasn't doing much in this tournament. And I don't think a lot of it really had to do with him on a consistent basis. Oh my goodness, I apologize. My stream died. I had to reload it. Um, doo, 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 doo. If Columbus wins the lottery, they can be so lethal in a couple of years. Yeah, Columbus would be fun too. Um, any Wallander-like defenders this year? Very good skating, very high potential, but a low floor. Uh, I mean, I think a more extreme version would be Dragasevich. Uh, Gulyayev for sure is up there. Uh, who else? Um, Gennady Chali would be another fun one. Don't hear his name said much. Um, yeah, some of those. Lakarimaki more or less got the only play on the power play treatment. Dread the Swedish coaching. Still not as bad as earlier years, at least kind of. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, Jonathan Lakarimaki was largely playing on the power play, which... Based on what I saw of him at 5-on-5 five five last year, yeah, if I was trying to win a tournament, I probably would play him a lot on the power play largely anyway. Um, but, I don't know. I don't think he was that bad that you wouldn't play him at 5-on-5. Five five. Um, but, yeah, again, like there's something weird about Scandinavian teams over the last couple of seasons that when they play internationally, they are grinding, slowing games down. They're not, like... It was so it's just it was so fascinating yesterday watching both semifinal games back to back and seeing Canada US just going end to end. I think there was 90 shots in that game total, just end to end all night and just just hammering each other and and pushing pace and pushing guys onto their heels. And in this and the Sweden Czech game was really slow and and technical and sloppy. And then it, and then at the end, it was just craziness for the last few minutes, and and it went to overtime, and it was it was wild. But it was just very funny to me watching both of those games back to back, and it's a really, I think it was very illustrative of like that of how sort of Canada and the U.S. in this tournament are are they're just it, it, the only way to beat them is to get them off their game and or or let them take penalties, right? Like the Czech Republic were hammering Canada. They came out so hard against them early in the tournament and, and Canada got themselves into some penalty trouble with the Zach Dean match penalty and everything. 
Um, and that, you know, that, that gets you off on the wrong foot and you can lose a game in this tournament, especially when you have a guy like Thomas Sahonic and net who can stop everything. Um, so that's the only way you can beat a team like Canada or, 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 or the U S I mean, the U S today, I don't know. That game was just very, very weird. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but it, 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 that, that's hockey, baby. Uh, do, 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 do. Why the big hate for Nickelback? I don't hate Nickelback. I mean, I think it, it's a little bit overboard. Um, you know, they put on that, they, you put on that song the from NHL, the, well, it's a midnight birder, 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 that one. Um, that one goes, you know, this is how you remind me is a great karaoke track. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'd, it just is what it is. Sometimes there are bands that everybody just goes, you know what? This is too much. The, the only band that I, the only bands that I just really don't like are bands that are like carbon copies of existing bands or bands that have existed in the past. And like, like I, I'm thinking of, oh, I can't remember the name of the band. Um, the one that dresses like Led Zeppelin, they almost look like Led Zeppelin. They play music that is basically Led Zeppelin and like, I don't know, like, obviously when you listen to bands and a lot of similar bands, like, you can see where their influences come from. You can sort of, in, you know, there's a lot of, like, uh, okay, you can sort of, like, once they say, oh, when we made this album, we were listening to a lot of this band and this band and this band, and you go, okay, I can see the influences for that. Like, I get it. But I'm talking about bands where it's, like, you play one of their songs and then the band they're copying next to each other like that's when you kind of lose me and that's when I'm that's when I'm that's when I'm kind of off the boat there um but maybe maybe I'm just a stickler um thoughts on Daniel Boot Daniel Bo oh Greta Van Fleet yes that's the band yeah that's the one that's the band I'm thinking of um very strange yeah thoughts on Daniel Boot uh, he's huge. Um, oh yeah, that's true too. Led Zeppelin is a band that copied a lot of the muse of music. Uh, I think they copied a lot of like black blues music, if I'm not mistaken, when like that stuff was still pretty underground. I think I talked about this in a previous stream of how there was this trend in the fifties, sixties, and into the seventies of like white artists literally re-recording black artists music and it would go higher in the charts despite literally every single version that was recorded by the white artist being significantly worse, like 100% objectively worse than, than the original recording done by black musicians, like in Motown and everything that always blows my mind. So yes, Led Zeppelin also factors into that as well, but I also was born in 1990. And so I wasn't aware of that, uh, growing up at all. And now it's like, oh yeah, they're, they're part of that too. It's, you know, it's, it's an endless cycle, but yes, that also exists. Um, Daniel Boot. Yeah. Um, he's big. He can really shoot. He's got some decent skill as well. The feet are not ideal when he's moving in a straight line. He's got some good crossovers and can generate speed pretty well, but he's, you know, he goes, uh, he can really shoot, shoots from everywhere, but he's also a pretty decent playmaker. I like Daniel Boot. He started the season pretty, pretty low for me and I wasn't really a huge fan, but now he sort of worked his way into my late first, early second range. And I, I think there's a lot of upside with Daniel Boot. I would not be surprised if he got drafted a lot higher than I have him, um, just because of the potential of his game. Uh, can't be objectively 100% worse. That is false. 
listen to Tutti Fruity by Little Richard and then Tutti Fruity by, I don't even remember the name of the guy who re-recorded it. It sucks. Uh, it is so lame. It's so boring. Little Richard rocks. Uh, that's just how it goes. Uh, the, the, I, I will not be taking questions or criticism on this fact. It is a fact. 100%. Um, oh, Greg Paterin's here again. Greg, what's going on, bud? Professional scout for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Congratulations. Um, I hear Will Smith has a heck of a slap. He, he can shoot it. Um, he's making a lot more plays, I think. Do-do-do. Um, how have I been doing? I've been doing well. It's been a while since I was on a stream, so I'm, I've missed doing this. It's a lot of fun to take questions from y'all and, uh, and, uh, you know, hear the takes and, and, uh, and, and, and deal with you. Um, but I've been doing well. Uh, I got myself, I made myself, I got myself a camera upgrade. So I've got one of these now. This is a Panasonic, uh, S5. It went on a huge sale because the second version of this just got launched, uh, yesterday. Um, so this is going to be a lot of fun to play with. I'm doing a lot of vacations this year, which is going to be a lot of fun. Well, not, not all vacations. I'm doing two vacations and then I'm going to, to Nashville for the draft. And so it'll be a lot of fun to have this thing, uh, in my bag and, uh, carry it around with me. Um, what else is going on? Um, trying to think, uh, I don't know this, this, this alcoholic beverage, uh, please drink responsibly, but this alcoholic beverage is, is tasting pretty good. This tournament has been thrilling. Um, even my parents are involved and my parents usually don't watch hockey and they're loving it, which is great. Um, so yeah, things are, things are going okay. Um, boop, boop, boop. Oh, Okay, where were we? With how forward-focused this draft is, are there some blue-line prospects you think people are sleeping on? Dmitry Simashev. Uh, I like Jakub Dvorak in the Czech Republic. Tanner Molendijk. Uh, I think people are also sleeping on Caden Price. I think that there's a lot of upside for Caden Price. Like, he's a lot... He's a year younger than a lot of the guys in the range where I have him ranked, and I think that that's messing with my brain a little bit. But I've liked Caden Price. Um... Tom Willander in Sweden, I think, has also been really good. Um, just those are the ones that come to my mind. Uh, what's up with Brant Clark? He's been really shaky this tournament and has your thoughts on elite defenseman Sean Barron's changed from his draft year. Sh again, Sean Barron's is playing like Sean Barron's. He's been very good. Uh, he's been good. But uh, when I look at Brant Clark, yeah, I thought I thought he's been kind of underwhelming this year. Again, I don't, I, I wonder what's been going. I would be very fascinated to be tracking Brant Clark from the LA Kings perspective over the last couple of years, because he's a very high skill, daring, confident offensive defenseman that does have defensive holes. And he just, I don't know, this season, he seems to be more restrained, but still wants to play the same way. So I don't know what's going on there, but, um, you know, I, he's a player who I think always relied on his hands to make plays rather than generating speed or, or playing defensively particularly well. Like in the tracking I did when he was in Slovakia, he was one of the worst defensive entry defenders that I've tracked that year. Um, and, and that checked out to me based on what I was seeing. And that still seems to be an issue. Um, but in terms of playing with the puck, like I, I just haven't seen the, the improvements to his skating that I think really allow him to play the way he wants to play against professional competition. And I think teams are really challenging him now. They're, they're, they're scouting for him and going, look, 
This guy doesn't have the best set of boots. Like if you if you press him really high on the defensive end when he's got the puck, like he might try to fake you out. You could stick check him, see how it goes. Like he's a guy where I think you can sort of counter him if you play your cards right. But he's been he's been fine, right? Like he's been fine. But because he's Brant Clark, he's kind of evaluated on a bit of a different spectrum, unfortunately, I guess. Um, with Bedard on the team, does it seem like some of the forwards on Canada are too scared to shoot and rather would just give the puck all the time to Bedard? I mean, no, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, why? It doesn't matter, right? Like you just give the puck. If you want to give the puck to Connor Bedard, you probably, it's not a bad idea in this tournament. Um, but I mean, he's also being pretty selfless with the puck. So it's not, it's not like this is just like funnel the puck to Bedard and that's the rest of the story, right? Like Josh Waugh has benefited pretty significantly from being in the right place at the right time on the other end of a Connor Bedard pass. Um, <clears throat> If we play the comparison game, Anton Lundell versus Dalibor Dvorsky, I think Dvorsky has less pace in his game than Lundell does. Um, Dvorsky is a pretty good shooter, whereas Lundell I don't think was quite the same level of shooter. I think Lundell is stronger on his feet than Dvorsky, um, but I could see how there is a bit of similarity there. Uh, I, I just think Lundell has more sort of more pace in his game and 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 protects the puck a little bit better than Dvorsky did at the same age. Um, and I think Lindell was also a much better puck distributor than Dvorsky. I think Dvorsky just outside of adapting to pressure and moving pucks to open line mates, I just have found him to be a little bit limited. Uh, lots of mill, maybe top six guys on the Barracuda, but other than Eklund, not a ton of toss. Pro oh, you're, we're talking about, you guys are talking in the chat about something else. You get to pick one going forward, Juracek or Luke Hughes. Probably Luke Hughes. I deal with the problems and go with the upside. Um... You know, he's had some of the worst moments in this tournament for someone playing a lot of minutes, but some really, really incredible moments uh, in this tournament as well. Juracek, I mean, I thought Juracek has been really, really solid in this tournament. Um, but, he, you know, in terms of Luke Hughes, he hasn't had any of those, like, holy crap moments that Luke Hughes does that you don't really see a ton of uh, out of Juracek. Out of but, again, it's the game, name of the game isn't wow moments, but it is nice to see those things off of your defenseman, especially coming off the blue line. And Juracek just plays a more typical game and does very well doing it, which is also fine. Uh, what do you think of Yuri Kulich in this tournament? He's been very good. Um, again, this is another reason why you don't want to take penalties if you're Canada in this game, because they'll just funnel pucks to him and he will smash them. Um, and that's a pretty simple formula if you're the Czech Republic. That's how the Czechs did really well at the U18s when he was there. Uh, and how Coolidge scored like six goals in six games. It was wild. Uh, oh my God. New Patreon special. Will does Nickelback covers. I would do that. If that brought more paying patrons to the page, I would absolutely do uh, covers of Nickelback music. But I don't, I couldn't play every instrument. Um, but maybe we'll, we'll think about it. What are we doing here? Oh, someone. Else, okay, so now that okay, so I got to the part in the chat where we're talking about about bands. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Kingdom Come. I could be, I could be telling on myself there about something. I don't know. Um, but I don't know. Uh, feel like as a comparison for Josh Waz an NHL player it could be Tyler Toffoli. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, again, I, 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 I've, I, I was watching Joshua stuff on the way back from work today. 
I don't know. He's still Joshua. Tyler Toffoli is slow and not the most skilled guy, but he can really rifle a hockey puck. I don't see that out of Joshua personally. Uh, I don't know. And also, like, if that's the case, like, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. No matter how many times people ask me about Joshua, I still think that he is a complimentary dude. That's it. That's, it's, it's, I get asked about him every stream because he's scoring points in the QMJHL. I don't have a single Q guy ranked this year. I might be biased against that league, but I just don't think it's a great place for de- development. That's it. Um, doo, doo, doo. Uh, thoughts on Oliver Bonk in London? Yeah, I've seen Bonk a few times. Um, he's a physical guy. I think he's got some decent defensive tools. He's a good stick checker. Um, but his skating is really clunky and weird. Uh, he's slow. He shoots a lot from the point to generate a lot of his offense, which is fine, but I don't know. I I feel like Oliver Bonk is going to get drafted 35th overall, and I would go, okay, cool, but I'll take any number of 10 other guys instead. Um, I don't know. He could be a decent minutes eater. I feel like he could play in like a Hockey Canada situation and play a lot of minutes and eat those minutes and play physical and whatever, but I still just don't see much out of Oliver Bonk that really gets me that excited. Um, what are your thoughts on the whole Lafreniere situation? I hope he can soon figure out his game. Well, I mean, I, I think someone asked me about this last stream, but like, I think I might've been the only person on the planet who had any sort of concern about Alexi Lafreniere in his draft draft year, but I'm still really surprised at how long it has taken for him to like find a job and keep it. I mean, I, I did a video on Lafreniere after he went into the NHL with the Rangers, uh, after his first 10 or so games were very, very quiet and people started to maybe get a little bit panicked. Um, and look, I mean, I think David Quinn was about as bad a match for the first player for the first coach he ever had I think I think that that was a bad match I felt at the time like if I was the Rangers Quinton Byfield felt like a much better fit but that would have been in that would have been really hot takey for them to skip on Lafreniere at first overall but I had time for that thought and I was pretty clear about both of those guys being pretty close to on the same level. But Lafreniere, I thought, you know, look, I, when I watched him in the NHL that year, when he got started in the NHL, it was, you know, he was making the right procedural passes. He was making decent reads. He still had a pretty good shot from distance. But you could tell that he was a step behind everybody. You could tell that he was not physically mature enough to get what he needed to like he he wasn't physically mature enough to make up for being a guy with a lack of of pace and speed um he was a guy that i felt didn't have the best habits in quebec because you can get away with having bad habits in quebec um i mean look i i think that it's an interesting study of how a player that talented in that league on paper can be underwhelming in the NHL if they jump straight to the NHL without any other development time. Like, would I have sent him back to Quebec? No. But he should have probably been in the AHL instead. But again, he can't. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um. So, I don't know. I, I Like, Gerard Gallant 
I also think is like milk toast version of David Quinn, like a little bit more skill in his game, but he still wants you to play a similar brand. And I, I just think it's a bad match. Like, I just don't think it's working. Like, look at all of the skill players that New, New York has drafted that haven't worked out, right? They they drafted um, Zach Jones. They're still not playing him. Uh, they drafted Niels Lundqvist in the first round. They traded him for a first-round pick, but they traded him. They just dumped him. Um, you know, if you're not like Ryan Lindgren or Adam Sikora, it's or like Luke Tuck, the Rangers probably are going to have problems. Um, but in in any case, I mean, I don't know. Do I, do I trade Alexi Lafreniere? I mean, I think you would take a big L trading Alexi Lafreniere because if I'm another team, why would I offer anything close to what I think he could actually be worth? Like he hasn't, he hasn't also like, according to a lot of Rangers fans, he hasn't really played like he really has deserved more playing time. Like they'll give him the big minutes, but he doesn't really improve. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really, really tough. Um, I don't know what, I don't know. Maybe, maybe a fresh start wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for him. I don't know where that would be. I don't know what he would be worth, but I don't think the Rangers would get what they want for him. And I think the Rangers still think that they can work with him. But I, I look at him with the Rangers now and I'm like, I don't know what you're going to do for this team. Like, I don't what's your job going to be? Cause like, they're not, they don't trust him enough to score. He's not physical or quick enough or, or or intense enough at both ends of the ice to play a bottom six role. And do you really want your high-flying Quebec scoring winger to, to be a bottom six guy that you drafted first overall two, three years ago? I don't think you want that. So I get I get the feeling that they're going to, you know, keep hoping that he he gets better. But I think they're just, I don't know. It, I just think it's it was not a good fit from the start that you can tell now with the benefit of hindsight um and it always did feel a little bit strange to me that the new york rangers were going to pick him but i thought you know what they're drafting guys like zach jones they're drafting guys they drafted adam fox and turned him into adam fox like maybe drafting skill guys is something the rangers also want to do but it's been struggling he's just really really struggled um has anyone asked you about what you thought about hudson during the tournament no uh again Lane Hudson was Lane Hudson. Really shifty, really skilled, sometimes frustrating, um, but he has been fine. He's been good. Uh, there is no way that Ed Sheeran is not a ripoff of... There is no way that Ed Sheeran is not a ripoff of Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's also true. That song um, by Ed Sheeran is a Marvin Gaye rip. But you know what? Like, that Marvin Gaye song uh, is is such a norm, like, standard, like, love song chord progression that can be used in so many different songs and probably has been. Um, but the Ed Sheeran one gets a lot of attention because it's so popular. But interpolation and... Uh, and an inspiration is very different from plagiarization uh or plagiarizing i should say plagiarization is that a word plagiarism that's the word plagiarism uh what did you see of owen beck i saw barely anything of owen beck because they've barely been playing him so i can't i don't know i'm not taking anything away from this tournament when owen beck has played like six shifts oh boy uh-oh Uh-oh. 
Did Sahonic's groin explode? I think his groin exploded. Oh yeah, his groin exploded. Yep. Yep, I think that's what happened. Yep. Ouch. Um... Is Canada's terrible defense a bad sign for Chicago? Whose prospects make up most of Canada's blue line? I mean, I've thought Del Mastro's been okay defensively. Nolan Allen has sucked. Uh, and But he was always a bad draft pick in the first place. Oh boy, they're pulling the goalie, eh? Oh jeez, his groin really must have exploded. Holy monkey. Oh boy. Holy crap, he's staying in the game. Oh, boy. Whew. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, Korchinski, I think defensively, you weren't you weren't really drafting Kevin Korchinski to play defense anyway. Uh, defensively, I should say. But his offensive game is really where he sort of is where he shines, and he's been good in that area this year. But, yeah, I mean, you're using a first-round draft pick on Nolan Allen when you've got Logan Stankoven right there. Uh, and he's doing what he's doing in this tournament. Yeah, it looks... I mean, a lot of teams look silly for passing on Logan Stankoven, but if only there was someone who was trying to tell people that he was still very good. If only. Oh my goodness. If only there was people who could go to bat for a Logan Stankoven instead of guys like Nolan Allen. Oh man. Uh, which 2023 prospect stock you think might have fallen the most during this tournament, if any? None, I don't think. Uh, I don't know. It's it's this is a hard tournament for a seventeen year old, right, or eighteen year old? Like it's hard. Like these guys are three, two, two years older than you. It you know like some of these guys are playing pro hockey already. Like yeah, it's friggin' it's hard. I don't know. I don't I don't look at draft eligible guys and go okay, this guy wasn't great, so I'm gonna knock him down. There were some guys that I think that impressed me more than I expected. Like Stramble was one of them. But, like, I've got Dalibor Dvorsky as a late first-round pick right now, early second. Like, and the production that he has had in the second division in Sweden scales with about that-ish. And I thought that in this tournament he played okay and had some moments. And, yeah, if it was a late first-round draft pick, I would take a swing on him. But there have been other guys that impressed me. I don't think there's anybody that's, like, not that, – that has that has been so bad that I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm pulling this guy down a lot. Oh, boy. Let's go. Oh boy. Uh, I do hope you enjoy your vacations, my dearest. Yes, uh, thank you very much. We're very excited. We're going to uh, uh, Arizona in a little bit, and then we're going to, uh, at the end of the year, uh, we're going to Europe for a couple of weeks, which is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I get to go to Scotland and... Uh, an undisclosed location in the middle of the ocean that uh, is going to be a lot of fun. Um, and also Nashville. Nashville is going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited for that. I've never been. I've heard it's wonderful. Uh, so really excited. Nemich seemed off during the tournament and at the worst of times during the game against Canada. I mean, I thought he was pretty decent. Um, I mean, yeah, I, 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 again, I think with Nemich, the, the best traits of his game were certainly there. His puck carrying and, and offensive ability were all there. And his defensive game was an issue last year, and it still kind of was an issue this year. Like, that doesn't, it doesn't really shock me. 
Um, but his, but his puck carrying ability certainly was there, and 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 there's a lot of stuff that he brings to the table that that's 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 quite good. And this is why I track data, right? Like, you know, these he. the hell you know but this is why i track data right because then it allows me a lot easier to sort of take the good with the bad and illustrate exactly what a player is doing well and isn't really doing well in terms of performance and if that really lines up with what i'm seeing and with nemich it's like yeah if you i think with nemich if you see the bad moments and are primed to think he's not great or as good as as people say he is you're going to think that he's been disappointing. But if you really like Simone Nemec and you see the best parts of him that are there and you and you want to believe in him, then I think it's going to reinforce that. The same thing for Quinn, for, for Luke Hughes, right? Like, some people have been saying Luke Hughes is trash. Some people are saying that the people who think Luke Hughes is trash are trash. As always, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Like, he's had some bad moments in this tournament. Or had, I should say, had had some bad moments in this tournament. But he has also had some really, really good ones. And again, he's always been a player that is going to take on risk. He's going to be confident almost to a detriment. And he's a lot of fun when it works. And when it doesn't, he can be horrifying. Um, and I think we saw all of those things, but it's about when you look at the overall picture, what does he bring and what doesn't he bring? And how much are you willing to tolerate in terms of risk tolerance, right? Like, you know, sometimes if if you want to like play with your money and and buy risky tech stocks in two thousand and 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 twelve, like it might really work out for you until twenty twenty two, and then it really doesn't work out for you, and and you take the L, and you you hope that during the times where you're taking the dubs, you are smart with what you've gained, um, you know, and and like that's kind of like the Luke Hughes of of the world, and if you like buying really risky stock guys like luke hughes look pretty good to you but if you're uh oh big save big save see yeah like passes like that from Connor bedard you don't see that in regina nearly as often as you've seen it in this tournament like like that was the only thing with Connor bedard that really concerned me and still kind of does is like he's playing 70 games and playing not this style of play like are the habits gonna sort of get entrenched but i don't I don't, I don't give a poo. I don't, I don't give a poo about it. I don't care anymore. It just, he's phenomenal. He's, he's fantastic. Um, I heard you need an instrumentalist and producer for a Nickelback cover band. Well, Mr. Brown, only if you play saxophone instead of singing. Not that I don't think you can sing. I certainly can't, but we're going to need like saxophone versions of Chad Kruger's vocal lines, uh, with like, with Dave Cause-esque, you know, um, pentatonic, you know, serious pentatonic shreds, you know, like that's what we're going to need. Um, what do you make of Finland in this tournament? Kiwi Haru was at the tournament, but didn't play a game. I thought Finland was underwhelming. Their, their whole prospect system for the last few years has, in my view, been underwhelming. Their junior league is underwhelming. Um, Lenny Haminaho was their draft eligible this year. I didn't notice him like more than once. Um, they were rough. Oh, what a goal. Shane Wright. What a goal. That was amazing. I mean, like say what you will, but once in a while, Shane Wright pops off stuff and like something like that. And you just go, if you could only do this a lot more. Yeah. Like sign me up. Uh, because you don't see it that often, but he is certainly capable of this, and it's wonderful when it happens. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, look, Aaron Kiviharyu was not going to save the Finnish team. And when I look at Aaron Kiviharyu playing, I actually right before the tournament watched one game of his at the Liga level. Kiviharyu is one of these guys that has had this historic level of production in the Finnish junior level, but I'm not surprised that hasn't translated yet to the Liga level. Like he is... He he his skating needs to really improve, I think. But but he's a really deceptive and creative passer, and I think that that's where a lot of his offensive production has come from. Um, but I don't know. When I look at the Finnish team, like could he have played? I guess maybe sure. Should he have? I don't think he would have made a difference. And I think the defensive issues or the defensive side of the game is still a work in progress with him. Um, and you don't you know you're not going to play guys you can't trust. And I think with Finland, he was just on the outs. But he'll be in the tournament next year, and I think we'll see more next year. Uh, boop, 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 boop. Greg Paterin doesn't play music or listen to music? Oh, that's a shame. Music is pretty cool, Greg. Do you see Colorado holding on to Barons? Probably. Um, I mean, if unless someone really good comes up as like a rental or, or a, 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 buy, a long-term buy candidate, then maybe. But, you know... I feel like having Sean Barons is a nice ace in your pocket to carry around for a while. Um, comparison game, Jaeger versus Holtz. You know what? There's a little bit of similarity there. I think Holtz is a better shooter than Jaeger, but Jaeger's also pretty darn good at it. Um, I think I think Holtz also generates speed a little bit better than Holtz, or than, than Jaeger. Holtz generates speed a little bit better than Jaeger did, um, at, uh, that Jaeger does, in my opinion. Um, but I don't know. I, I, when I look back at my work with Alexander Holtz and how I thought and the notes that I wrote down about him, it's like, yeah, you know what? I can see why he might be having a bit of problems, uh, in the, in translating to North American professional hockey. Um, but he's still a heck of an offensive player, a heck of a shooter. And that should, that should count for something. Uh, let's see. Lafreniere for Logan Stanley. I mean, the Winnipeg Jets really don't seem to want to trade a Logan Stanley. He's an icon of the future. But if Logan, if, if Alexi Lafreniere comes up, I mean, Logan, Logan Stanley in New York sounds like it makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, one for one Lafreniere for Ryan Merkley. Completely fair trade. Who says no? Honestly, why would the Rangers want Ryan Merkley? The Rangers say no because they're like Ryan Merkley sucks. Like they're they're not. I mean, I like Ryan Merkley for sure, but the Rangers are not going to take a Ryan Merkley. They don't care. They don't want that type of player. I don't think. How good is Sam Hanzek? Uh, pretty good. He's got really really good hands for a big man. Um, unfortunately he got hurt. Uh, but he's he's decent. He's in my early second round. Aside from the Q, which leagues look like they have a weak class this year? Finland Junior, fin- Finland in general, I think has a weak class. Um, Russia has a pretty good one, especially at the top. The OHL, I think, is underwhelming in a few spots, but there's a few guys in the OHL that I like more than a lot of other people do. Uh, remember when Taylor Swift tried to trademark a chord progression? Uh, I do, and it worked. And now it's a huge legal can of worms that is still not resolved. Um, but yeah, just goes to show if you have a lot of money and really good lawyers, uh, what you can pull off in the American, uh, in the American judicial system on the civil side, at least it's very interesting. Um, but such is life. Uh, you get to head, you get to head the, the world juniors in the U18s. What? Oh, I get to run them. What changes do I make? Uh, 
I would make the Division 1A tournament happen in conjunction with the relegation round uh, before the tournament starts. Oh, big block. So what I mean by that is I would take the Division 1A tournament before the World Juniors, take the teams that were a threat of being relegated from the previous year, put them in a pool together like a month before the World Juniors, and make them play to qualify for the spots in the World Juniors. I think it's kind of crazy that we have teams that qualify with, say, a bunch of 19-year-olds that are really good. Like, this happened to Austria, where they had Marco Rossi and Benjamin Baumgartner basically carrying Austria into the into the top-level tournament, and then Baumgartner had to go, and Marco Rossi was pretty much there with Vincenz Rohrer, and that was it. And they got pummeled, and Marco Rossi also, after that tournament, nearly died. Um... So, yeah, I mean, I think that's the first thing I would do is make it so that teams that are trying to qualify for next year's tournament can actually qualify for this year's tournament um, and and go from, let's say, oh, we qualified at the 1A tournament. We'll take a bit of time off between international games and, and go right back into it at the World Juniors. That's number one. Um, other than that, I don't think there's much else that I would change. Um like, I wouldn't expand it past 10 teams. I think 10 is perfectly reasonable. It gives you a nice balance between the potential for, like, upside and the potential for... Or the potential for surprises and the potential for, um, you know, not... You know, maybe just having the good teams float to the top without playing too many games. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, the only thing is maybe you do expand it and make it more like the World Championship where you have a lot of teams and you expose a lot of sort of smaller countries to a really big stage but i don't think teams want to go for like a long tournament where their their junior guys are gone for a long time doing this multi-week tournament it just doesn't make sense um so yeah uh but i don't know that's the, probably the only thing i would really change um oh, off the post Because I love I love this tournament the way it is. I genuinely really love it. It's one of the things I look forward to the most in any given year. Um, and I mean, even as an evaluator, like I don't I don't think about it much from an evaluation perspective. Like it's just such a it's such a raw and pure and like innocently exciting style of hockey, right? Like mistakes happen and things are sloppy sometimes and teams come out slow out of the gate or teams never really gel together and the unpredictability of it is just so so much fun and unlike anything else that we get um and also shout out to the women's u18s which is starting up on sunday i think canada lost today to finland so there's that um and if you're a women's hockey fan you'll know that canada losing to finland does not happen often so uh yeah that starts up on sunday and that should be a lot of fun um have you tracked Stenberg recently? He looked so good during the Holinka, but he has had a mediocre season. Yeah, I watched him maybe three weeks ago or four weeks ago. Um, I thought he was okay. He He's fast and skilled, but he doesn't really do much with it, which is really frustrating. I, I think there's a lot to work with with him, um, and I feel like he could be a nice buy-low candidate, like if he doesn't get drafted in the first 20 picks of the draft. Like, in terms of raw talent, he's certainly up at the top, but in terms of playing as a unit and 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 relying on actually trying to make plays that are likely to work rather than just volume playmaking and shoveling pucks around the offensive zone towards the middle he could do a lot he could do he could drive a lot more than he does he's a guy who i think has good skill but when he challenges goalies one-on-one -on -one, i don't think it's enough to really open them up and create holes that often 
Um, you know, he's fast, but I don't think he's fast enough to really evade pressure with the puck. Um, I don't know. It's, it's tough. It's tough to say, but he's, he's, uh, he's, he's up and down for me based on the day, but I also have an SHL game in my, in my server that I need to, to track at some point, which I will in the near future. As a Jets fan, I've really been impressed with our prospects this tourney. Rutger and Lucius were impactful with with USA, and Wagner was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, Rutger, Rutger, uh, you know, Rutger McGraw. The, the U.S. was such a fascinating team, and again, like it's another example of like how we we should do an intermission segment about how right I was. Ha ha. Um, but I looked at the U.S. team and I was like, well, there's a lot of guys in here that can skate in a straight line and just bulldoze through dudes, and they can shoot like nobody else. Rucker McGurdy's one of those guys. Chaz Lucius is a great, in tight, skilled finisher. Um, and all of those things were on display. Jimmy Snuggerud, you just give him the puck, he's going to rifle it. You know, like they had a lot of these guys where it's like, just give them the puck, they can shoot it. Cutter Goche, that's another one. Uh, Logan Cooley and Gavin Brindley were guys where it's like, well, you give them the puck, they'll get it in the offensive zone and set you up. But as long as you're there to be set up, it's like Joshua, right? Like if you're there to be set up and you're in front of the net and you're, you know, capitalizing on rebounds and easy passes to the slot, then you're going to score points. And, uh, and, and, and those guys did a lot of that, except maybe more from distance and relying more on like actually just blasting the hockey puck through the net, um, which they certainly did. And yeah, I mean, those guys looked pretty good. Do you think Leo Carlson has the chance to jump Fantilli? Uh, yeah, uh, I would be very cautious to say that he was better at the world juniors than Fantilli. I think Fantilli played a lot less. And I think that Fantilli still I, I think he skated himself into a little bit too much pressure a lot of the time whereas Carlson kind of kept things a little bit slower you know read the ice a little bit better than Fantilli did but I don't know I still have Fantilli ahead by a, a, a tier ahead but they're they're close but I I'm still very much in in the Fantilli camp uh favorite albums or songs this year oh my goodness that's a very good question uh let's do this um I'm trying to think uh library what have i added this year oh i can't change my account um <laughs> let's uh think about let's maybe check my youtube music uh page later um let me think what came out in 20 what came out in 2022 that i actually listened to um did that turnstile album come out this year i feel didn't they put one out Oh no, that was last year. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess what I could say is what I got into a lot this year. Uh, I really, uh, I really got into uh, Spyrogyra recently. I guess that's more of a 2023 thing. Like I, I had a bunch of Spyrogyra records that I got from uh, my better half's family. Um, by a bunch, I mean two, and I immediately fell in love. Um, they're amazing. I'm, I'm super down with. Uh, sort of jazz fusion kind of stuff like t-square in japan cassiopeia in japan um i've been really into that stuff all year uh always into donnie benet we're going to go see him in toronto in a couple of months which is going to be a lot of fun um what else have i really been into actually let me just is my phone here oh no my phone is charging um what else um i don't know i also discovered my i rediscovered my teenage adoration of chet baker uh sheesh um yeah i i really dig chet baker he's a he's he's a he's a g he's a guy that i really like um 
I'm just going through people that I listened to a lot of last year that 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 really um, check out, or people that I listened to a lot of last year that may not be modern, but um, but I'm sure there's a lot of new albums from 2022 that I wish I had my phone on me. Uh, I wish there was a, uh, the, the 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 there were a lot of 2022 albums that I listened to that I pretty sure I liked. But if I could look at my YouTube music page without deleting my stream, I I think I would I would do so. Uh, da, 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 da. oh also favorite songs i mean call me maybe by carly ray jepson my carly ray jepson my 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 queen uh queen carly ray um that's up there thoughts on isaac rasen and noah oslin kind of went over them already they were a bit underwhelming i thought rasen could shoot but he was a bit underwhelming i demand the nickelback covers performed live is in one of those man <laughs> loin collades I don't think you want to see that. Nobody, nobody wants to see that. I don't know. Nobody wants to see that except maybe the other person in this house with me. But even then, I think she might, might go, I don't know. Uh, Ryan Merkley was an off pick from day one. Well, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, <clears throat> they wanted an Adam Fox and disregarded all the attitude red flags. Look, from what, from what I heard out of San Jose about Ryan Merkley, like, it isn't... <laughs> It, he has been a lovely a lovely individual since being drafted from what i have heard um and even during the draft like again from what i know about ryan merkley and his history like yes he was immature and handled situations very poorly but the situations that he was handling poorly were born out of competitiveness like from what i know that that a lot of what the problems were was how he handled how his teammates played or how he thought they played, how he was being coached when things weren't going so well, um, and how, you know, maybe he just didn't really like playing defense all that much uh, or playing defensively. And that's still kind of the case. He's still a bit of a defensive black hole, but it has come a long ways from where it was. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I just don't like hearing, I just don't like the idea of just, attitude issues um because it's like it's very vague and and you can get very complex and dismissive when it comes to looking at a person's attitude and like what that means like you know you, again when it comes to communicating things and like trying to be you got to be specific right like and from what i've heard about a guy like ryan merkley is like yeah there were issues but like it wasn't you know he he just he really wanted to win and like it was almost like pathological and he was very frustrated and did not handle it very well um i don't know see del mastro shouldn't be doing that stuff after the whistle man like throwing guys into the boards and getting your elbows up in them like you're only up by two here bro like i don't know it's there's still got a half a game left uh which NHL team has the weakest prospect pool in the pre-TDL world, and who do you think TDL? Pre-TDL. Oh, the draft lottery. What? In the Wait, is that what you mean? The draft lottery? I don't know what you mean by TDL. Who do you think will sell the house? What? You're going to need to expand on what you mean there, Seb. I don't know. I don't understand. With Russia being out, I would love a big six-team tournament. Two groups, play each team twice, top two, get into the semis, and then maybe best of three. See, I don't like it being smaller. I, I, it's, I don't like it being smaller than it is. I, I, if any, if either, if either, if, if anything, oh, which any, okay. So TDL is the trade deadline. Okay. 
Um, I'll answer that question after I finish answering this first one here. Um, which I already forget what it was. I got to find it again. Oh yeah, with a big six. Yeah, I don't, I just, I think that there's a magic to this tournament of having teams like Latvia come up and have this be like the biggest moment of their hockey careers. You know, like, I don't, I don't care. I just, at, when these are teenagers, like, I don't care about getting teenagers together and having literally only just the best ones going at it, right? Like, I am really interested in seeing where the Latvian team would be compared to a team like Canada or the U.S., right? Like, I would be very curious. I, 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 I want to see how Norway is going to do against the U.S. or Canada or Sweden next year, right? Like, oh, dude. That dude just poured beer all over his face? Oh, boy, that was great. I don't know. I, I, I personally love it the way it is. Um, and I don't really see a reason to just take a bunch of teenagers who are from a very specific group of countries and just put them all in a room together and, and see who wins. Um, I, I like this sort of mix of both and, and using it as a bit of a barometer. Um, but I mean, I do, I, I do, I do miss having the Russian team around. Like when I look at this tournament and I see how Canada and a bunch of other teams have just been filling the net, like what Connor Bedard has done is incredible, but Germany probably shouldn't be in this tournament. Austria should not be in this tournament. Belarus would have been in this tournament and probably would have stuck around. And Norway probably should be in this tournament. Um, it's just, it's this, the, the, because of COVID and, and the rules changes and what's going on with Russia, this tournament, like there's a lot, the, the qual, the, 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 there was very clearly to me, like a top group of three teams in Canada, us and Sweden. And then there was like four more teams closer to the middle of the pack. And they were just going to be a bloodbath. Um, and they were, and then the bottom few teams were sort of sitting at the bottom and, and whoever sticks around sticks around. Um, and adding in Russia and Belarus probably would have made this tournament a lot stronger and probably would have retained Connor Bedard a little bit, but it's still incredible what he's been able to pull off. Uh, what about songs from any of your followers and or patrons? That's true. Brown is a very talented musician. Uh, I don't know if he has any links to post. He sent me a couple. He's got some cool, cool stuff going on. Uh, lovely dude. Met him in Seattle. Uh, super cool. Um, really great to meet him. Uh, good, good, good to see you in here too. Um, so, so check him out. Uh, yeah. So the trade deadline question, the worst prospect pipelines in the league at trade deadline time, I would say Colorado, Pittsburgh, and outside of LaSalle, maybe Boston. Um, it's all not, it's all, those are all not great. Uh, yeah, we'll go there. Oh boy. Uh, you are named the head chief of the IIHF. What are your plans and ideas to make the game of hockey bigger on the world scale? Well, first I'm going to finish this because I need think, I need thinking fuel. And I'm going to reach into my bag of tricks and see what I can pull out. What do we got here? Same brewery, different can. This is called uh this is called a blue bus, which is another another stout. I don't know why I'm on a stout kick to start 2023, but I am. Uh it's got chocolate fudge, chocolate chocolate fudge, coffee, marshmallow and vanilla in there. So uh on a nice 
crummy rainy day here in the greater Toronto area. I can, oh, I can toss her back. Oh my goodness, it's very full. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Should I start a second channel just for beverage reviews? Not even like just alcoholic beverages, just generic beverages. And like people, you guys, you, you can all, you can all send me with, uh, you can all send me just stuff to review to some PO box and the poor employees at Canada Post are going to have to sift through it all and check it for worms and stuff. Should I do that? That'd be fun. I do use colorful language and I like to talk. Oh, I got beer all over my computer screen. Uh-oh. I don't have any paper towel down here. Bye. I do. I'll be right back in I'll be right back in 30 seconds. I go grab paper towel and Jakob Brabanets takes a penalty. Who you to, that's no good. <laughs> Interesting. They called him for kicking a stick. Okay. So I didn't know you could call interference on an inanimate object. Um, but sure. Uh, okay. So yeah, I'm named... Uh, the, I'm named the, uh, head, um, I'm named the head of, head chief of the IIHF. It's simple to me. Uh, I immediately <laughs> go, we're not just the IIHF anymore. We're just the IHF, International Hockey Federation. That is it. That is what we are. Pucks, balls, feet, inline skates, uh, whatever the hell. It's it, hockey of any kind. Stick and ball sports need to be everywhere, right? Like, I want to, like, part of the reason soccer is so successful, sorry, football, part of the reason football is so excite, so popular is because you literally just need your body and a ball. Ball hockey, you require a ball, but a, a stick, and if we can, you know, make tchotchkes with plastic molded in like a plastic mold for children to play with, we can mass produce like hockey sticks that are plastic for children to play with in developing countries. Stick, shoot ball into net. It's not that complicated. Um, and, and you could easily make a sort of like three phase program, I think, to get kids around the world regardless of location where they live, playing some form of hockey. I personally really like watching roller hockey, like inline hockey. Oh, big save. I personally also really like playing and watching ball hockey. Um, they're almost like different sports, but it's the same principle. Uh, floorball is really fun. And uh, there was actually a, a version of field hockey on roller skates that I came across on YouTube. And countries like Argentina and Portugal are already really into it. I think Croatia is a big roller hockey team. Um, so being able to blend 
the sort of influence that all of these sports in various different countries have and sort of under one umbrella of like, we're the International Hockey Federation, both ice, inline, and ball hockey. Um, putting all of those things together, like, makes a lot of sense to me. It's a lot more cost-effective to, you know, um, to to look at to look at hockey and and look at being able to set up like a road hockey league, uh, and 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 have that set up a lot easier. You know, you could easily do that in developing nations. Um, and avoid a lot of the capital costs of actually playing hockey hockey. If they want to go further, you could have inline hockey programs where you could do that in more humid environments or warmer environments or climates or climates or countries that just don't have the, 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 the resources to run hockey rinks because hockey rinks, especially in warmer climates are very expensive to run. And if you notice, like I've gone in my, in my years, I've gone and watched a, a bit of hockey that's like really low level because it's fun. Um, but they play in like shopping malls in Thailand and you can tell that maintaining ice is really, really hard, especially with a crowd of people because there's fog everywhere. So it just, the resources aren't quite there to just say, everybody should play ice hockey. Why can't everybody play ice hockey? But I think the resources do exist, uh, for people to really, uh, push, just stick and ball programs and and um and and inline programs if if kids are really really interested in sort of taking the next step when they're you know in their in middle school or in their young teenage years or something like that just to get them playing and see how it goes and then over time if it sort of catches on maybe people with money and resources are willing to sort of fund you know building rinks and and seeing how that goes i don't know um you could have if you if you do do this with the IIHF like why wouldn't you be able to take some some really really talented hockey players from other countries that are more further along in their development and bring them to these countries and sort of run clinics and run things and sh you know show off for the kids and show them how fun this sport is um cuz i don't know i think myopically focusing on ice hockey especially in a world where the climate is changing to a place where maintaining ice rinks is probably going to be even more labor and resource intensive Maybe roller hockey is a good way out of that to make it a lot more efficient and less carbon intensive and a lot less labor intensive without really losing a whole lot of what makes hockey so special. So I don't know. It could be, it could be really, really fun. Um, I don't know. It'll be very, it'll be very interesting. It's a job that I would love to have. Um, I'd also really like to do, uh, organized junior leagues for like developing countries, right? Like I would think it would be really fun to turn IIHF hockey almost into like long form seasons, right? Like you basically do a series of mini tournaments, you know, kind of like how they did the Olympic qualifying, but for a number of different countries that are sort of in the middle of the pack, right? Like, I think that would be a lot of fun. You have a junior team, like every, each country is like, they have to have a junior program, right? So like Iceland, they have to have an Iceland junior team that, that practices together, plays together, you know, plays in the Icelandic pro league, I guess, which is not like a pro league, but it does exist. There's like three teams, but you basically have got, have kids from Iceland all playing together on the same organization. And it's, you know, the IIHF gives them support to run the program and blah, blah, blah. Um, and like having them play in a league against teams and say, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of other similarly, uh, similar teams in Western Europe. Um, you know, like Spain, 
and uh, I don't know, like maybe France would be the powerhouse of that league. And, you know, you throw in, uh, I don't know, Italy or something. Like you get these sort of middle range teams playing against themselves, but like with the youth constantly, constantly playing um, and, and, and practicing against one another uh as as much as they can because right now it's like if you're an icelandic hockey player you go to the under 18 tournament for five games in a season and you might play 15 more games in a year when the icelandic league plays and that's just not enough to go anywhere um so i don't know i i would go i would go in that direction uh solid answer i think one of the main reasons hockey doesn't reach its full potential even in traditional hockey cities is due to terrible reputation it has you know what i i mean i would agree with that to a point I think the bigger reason hockey, I mean, hockey has fallen behind, right? Like I think the 2004 lockout really took a lot of wind out of hockey's sales as a marketable sport in the States. Um, I think that American teams are really doing a lot of good work to, to make themselves more money. And I think Canadian teams are just, we're so in Canada, we are, I don't know. This is just my experience from living in Canada 32 years, but I get the feeling that we're very, culturally entrenched in doing things a certain way and any sort of threat to doing things a certain way is like asinine and like laughed out of the room until americans do it and if americans do it and it works then we do it but we do it dialed back like 25 percent and 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 pat ourselves on the back right like any like i love looking at the american app for certain services and then the canadian one for similar services or even the same company right like um, I don't know if there's an example in, 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 uh, in, in the States, but like the, like Canadian tire is like the, one of the biggest retail chains in Canada, but it is like notoriously awful and their mobile shopping experience and online shopping experience is, is just bad. Like it's, it's bad to the point where you're like, what is even happening? Like what, what is the point of even buying anything from this store? So I, I think that Canada's bigger problem is that there just isn't there's there it's too conservative, like in terms of just fun factor, right? Whereas Americans, they see it like they see marketability as like, well, if the people like it and it's fun and it makes us money, then we should just do it. Whereas in Canada there's a lot more like hesitancy and like, well, we don't wanna like go too far outside the box, you know, or no. Um So but I don't know. I, I think I think the 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 misogyny and racism problem isn't i don't know if it's like a structural problem in hockey so much as it's a problem with how fans what type of people hockey attracts as fans and what we're trying to do to get away from that and the pushback from trying to get away from that right like like for example like it's a milk toast version of it but like in game one against the czech republic when Canada, when Zach Dean got thrown out of the game, like people were losing their minds. They're like, oh, Canada, the, the IHF is too soft. Hockey's getting too soft. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, rah, 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 rah. I look at that hit and I go, you know what? Like, the IIHF does it right. I don't care if head contact is incidental, but there was contact to the head there. Zach Dean ended up basically sitting on top of the boards after finishing that hit. And he just, he skated into that situation to obliterate that player. But people who rally around that, like, it's, to me, there's a certain type of person who really values that and really wants to see that in the game a lot. When in reality, it's like, well, 
that is a safety problem. Like the guy, I think the check player in that situation turned into the hit or he turned to face Zach Dean during that hit. So Dean didn't let up when his back was turned to him. So if anything, it's like the opposite of, oh, he turned his back on the player mid hit. Therefore, it's not as bad. Like Dean was coming at him and he turned and as he turned to face him, he got hit. So what if he didn't, right? Would he have been hit from behind? Would that have turned out a lot worse? I don't know. But I guess what I'm saying is like hockey kind of has a problem with who likes hockey and what that sort of brings out in people. Like that sort of very tribal, primal, you know, I, you know, you know, it, it just brings something out in a lot of people and it can be vicious. Like it can be vicious. But I, again, when, when, when things like ra- like, I don't know, racism, I think a lot of the, the problems with, with hockey and racism, like they exist a hundred percent, like they exist. But I think it's more, more of a symptom of, a, of a deeper root thing that gets explored a lot more and on a lot deeper level uh, just because racism is a thing that is, is, is everywhere in a sense, in some way, and it bleeds into a lot of other things. And one of those things happens to be hockey. Like, like, I don't think it's hockey itself that is the problem, but I think it's the socioeconomic factors behind, you know, things that are, that drive institutional racism that drives minorities away from hockey and when that drives when that drives things away from when that drives hockey away from minorities it makes the leftover group the more privileged socioeconomic class which is more likely to be you know white caucasian people you know if that when that happens it's just the divide continues to grow and you get more and more insular and when you're insular and you're not exposed to multiculturalism or diversity or everything it it does make you more prone to falling into a rabbit hole of racism and misogyny. So yes, I do, I think that that's a that's a problem, but that's more just like a problem in general that is being exacerbated by increasing inequality and increasing sort of viciousness and pushback from people who feel threatened by the way the world is changing and by the way that social media and the media in general is sort of shaping the way people talk and the way people think about history and think about what how their lives have been affected by things that were completely out of their control i don't know it's a very very complicated topic i i I think that i think that if you let's say go you know if you spend a few hundred thousand dollars and go to indonesia with a bunch of hockey balls and hockey sticks and hockey nets and partner with the government racism and misogyny get like set aside and it's like, let's just play hockey. Let's introduce these kids to this game. Like, let's just have some fun. It's really, really fun. Oh, look who's here. Like, uh, Sidney Crosby's here. Like, this guy, he had just retired from the NHL, but he's one of the greatest of all time, and he's going to show you the basics and stuff. Like, that's more what I'm talking about. And I think that that could do some good because I get the feeling that hockey sells itself when people play it, right? Kids love hockey in Canada, right? Like I was a kid who loved hockey. I I love hockey now, but I love playing it. Um, and if you, I think if you if you if you massage it the right way and and sort of get a system organized the right way and 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 presenting the game to people, I think it could work out really well. So I, I think, um, I mean, and you're going to also have to have equipment manufacturers also partnering with you on that because it is true. Like you guys are talking, 
the 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 equipment is extraordinarily uh extraordinarily uh prohibitively expensive um I've caught up on all the questions. That's incredible. Uh, we're two hours in. That usually makes sense. It takes me about two hours to catch up with all the questions. So I guess we can just sort of sit back and enjoy the rest of this game. Podcast listeners, uh, I apologize. Um, but this is a live stream for during a hockey game. And normally the podcast would end right now. Um, but uh, I'll try to keep you entertained in other ways. Again, if I had my phone, I could share some of my music picks from this year. Let's see if I can do this. Um... Let's try this. I'll try logging in again, but in an incognito window. Oh, I spat on my, oh, I got beer on my keyboard. Sorry, I shouldn't say that word on the internet. I, I got my drink. I got my drink on my keyboard. I am seriously thinking about starting that beverage review channel now that I think about it. Could be a lot of fun. Ugh, there's sticky spots on all my keycaps now. Oh, I don't have my phone to do two-factor authentication. Uh, shoot. shoot that's too bad uh looking at the world cup recently it showed me how important best on best play is the nhl and iihf need to work out a way for having that tournament it's a mutually beneficial event well yes 1000 percent, i agree with you on that it is so insanely dumb and and bush league that they, that they can't just agree like what like why why is it up to the nhl like the NHL is just a professional sports league. Like, do they do they take precedence over an international federation of literally everybody who plays hockey, right? I mean, I get it. The NHL has a lot of sway and political power and, like, sure. Um, I don't know. It's... It's just so insane and I don't understand... Like, it would be like, what if the Premier League organized the World Cup? That would be that would be stupid. It would be dumb. It would be very very dumb. Uh, it it would make no sense. Um, so yeah, they definitely have to work out a way for having that tournament. Um, you can't have a World Cup without Russia, and you can't have a World Cup without Russia right now. Well, the World Cup of Soccer just happened without Russia, and they don't seem to care. Um, the every international tournament hasn't had Russia in it, and I frankly don't care. Uh, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. Like that, you just do it. It's it's an international tournament for the best on best to play against each other in hockey. You just do it. I don't care. Uh, Russia is there or not, whatever it, they they shouldn't be there right now, but I don't care. Like that just because their government is doing horrible, heinous things overseas and, and nobody wants to hang out with them anymore. Doesn't mean that that means everyone else doesn't get to party, right? Like, you know, someone, someone makes a poopy in the aquarium at the party. Does that mean everybody has to leave? No. Like, you just have a, I don't know, I'm going way too deep on this. Anyway, um, I feel bad for Czechia. They have such a great tournament. Now they won't get to gold. Don't, don't put that out there. It's two nothing, right? It's two nothing, three nothing. I don't even remember anymore how, what, what it is. I don't know. Um, but the game is not over. 
and Czech has had some chances in this game. Like this has been a tighter game. You know, it's been a bit of a tight game, both ends. You know, it's been a time. Um, what are your thoughts on Joshua? Oh my God. He's still Joshua. My thoughts on Joshua has not changed. Uh, well, they would never do the world cup in soccer without players in European leagues. Well, yeah, but like that's, we're not talking about a bunch of different European leagues, right? We're talking about one specific country. Again, like just because something bad happens with one group of players, it's it doesn't mean that nobody else can do what they what they would participate in otherwise. Like why would we do the World Juniors, right? Like it doesn't doesn't matter to me. Like you got it. Like again, like someone mentioned it. Like Connor McDavid is in his mid twenties and he still has not played in a best on best men's tournament. That's unforgivable. The NHL has had the biggest star that they have ever had, in my opinion, in terms of marketability and like highlight after highlight after highlight and cheat code after cheat code after cheat code. And he's stuck in Edmonton. The Edmonton Oilers can't win. You know, he's, he doesn't have a supporting group like, and he's just not, he's, he should be one of the biggest stars in sports right now. He's one of the most exciting athletes out there. And, and, and he's just a guy to a lot of people like he might lead the league in scoring in the NHL but in terms of the overall marketability of sports in America especially who like people I would be totally understandable if people did not know who who Connor McDavid was but if Connor McDavid played in like Dallas or New York or California like I bet I bet he'd be on Wheaties boxes um what would you say to allowing Russians to play for Canada or the U S no, they're like, I, you say you feel bad for Russian NHL players. What's transpiring is not really their fault. No, it's not. It's not, but you can't the, the Russia, Russia's relationship with hockey is, is like Canada's relationship with hockey. Like it's central, it's central to their sporting culture, right? Like your, your sporting federation is inextricably linked to your government because they operate, it operates it, right? Like Hockey Canada is a Canadian government thing. Like that's why the Canadian government was, was, was grilling them all summer because they're like, this is taxpayer dollars. Like you, we fund you to a certain extent and you're taking money from people and, and the government use in a, in a sense represent the Canadian government. And you've been brushing all this stuff under the rug and like doing all this stuff. And like, we give you the autonomy to handle yourselves, but clearly you're not responsible enough. And if Canada all of a sudden decided to invade Greenland uh, and, you know, they were committing atrocities in Greenland because they just thought that people in Greenland shouldn't exist anymore because technically 800 years ago, some English explorer came across Greenland and thought, hey, you know what, this seems like it could be British territory and like it's close enough to Canada that technically, yeah, maybe it could be Canada one day. Uh, so te- there it's it's ours. And uh, nobody liked us anymore because of that. Yeah, like, I don't think anyone else would welcome Canadian athletes representing the Canadian government. And I don't think it would be that great of a move to just say, well, we'll just give you citizenship to to be Canadian. Like, maybe that's a workaround. But I don't know. I, I get the feeling that Russian players don't really have that much interest in literally turning their back on their own country, right? Like, I, I agree. Like, I feel bad that Russian NHL players are being hamstrung here like they're being put in a tough spot and it's not their fault but it's also like 
speaking as as someone not not, not, again i'm not russian but like think if you were russian it would be very difficult uh it would be very very difficult to um if i were russian it would be very difficult of a decision to be like hey do you want to just abandon your entire upbringing and lifestyle because of what is happening with your government and like be a canadian just so you can play international hockey like that is a much bigger decision and much more impactful decision than just doing it to play hockey right like i just don't think i just don't think it's that i don't think it's i don't think it's realistic um i wouldn't i wouldn't and i wouldn't i wouldn't make russians make that decision i i just think that's unfair um it's hard like it's just hard right because you don't you don't want to exclude people but the sport is inextricably linked to the government and it is a fundraising operation for that government as well and part of the problem is that we're trying to restrict their government's ability to fund what they're doing and and that you can't relent on that until the goals of who they are fighting against are realized right one way or the other you can't you can't have that so it's a tough spot for them to be in but like their government is the one who put them in that spot it wasn't us it wasn't it wasn't north americans they say it was but it wasn't so i don't i don't know anyway we're we're going on too we're going on too deep uh do you like andrew tate okay i think you're trolling at this point uh no i do not um how do you feel about habs fans overrating all the prospects i don't care have fans of every team overrate their own prospects every single team is doing it, it, it it's, it's impossible not to uh you know i remember the days of of leaf fans trying to tell themselves that tyler biggs was the next milan lucic like it's it's the way things go Oh, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good can of beer. Um, Brad Lambert or Matvey Michkov, curious about your opinion on that one. Can I have both? I feel like they play well together. Um, I don't know. It's, it, to me, that's apples and oranges. Like, it, it's like pick the better fruit, apples or oranges. It's like, well, I don't know. It depends on what you're doing, right? Like, would I make marmalade with apples? Probably not. Would I make pie with oranges? Probably not. But like, they are, apple pie and, and orange marmalade are both pretty good. Uh, it's part of the market to overrate your guys. Nick Robertson was supposed to be the next big thing for Toronto a couple of years back. Well, okay, let's be a little let's be a little relaxed about saying people are overrating Nick Robertson. He's a tremendous hockey player and still very young, but he's been hampered by a lot of injuries over the last few years. And I has I thought whenever he's played in the NHL, he has not looked out of place. But also, I mean, Toronto Maple Leafs fans went a little bit crazy with the Nick Robertson crap in the off season and. Again, with the fact that the Toronto Maple Leafs fan base is so large, there are going to be a large volume of deranged fans relative to their fan base, just like any other fan base. But since there's more fan bases, there are more fans, you're going to have a, a larger number there. Um, uh, is Hockey Canada considering creating a super team in the CHL like the NTDP? No. I mean, look, the CHL has a lot of political power with hockey in Canada. Think about how hard they have pushed against the idea of letting their players leave early to go to the NHL or, a- or AHL before they age out of the of the CHL because they feel like they would lose a large source of their revenue and they are a community organization a lot of the time. Like in Peterborough, like the teams need to sell tickets in order to survive in Peterborough or Saginaw or whatever. Like that's what they need. They need to do it. They're not going to get, they're not going to make ends meet by not selling tickets. So 
in order to sell tickets, you have to have good players. And if you don't have good players, you're going to have a hard time selling tickets. No other, no other place does it, but they have a lot of political power. Um, so I highly doubt that junior teams in Canada would be okay with allowing their best talent that they've maybe drafted to go to a totally different team uh, for a season or two and do their thing there. Now, would I mean, personally, I think that's something Canada should do. Personally, I think the CHL being 60 teams is ridiculous and asinine in the first place, but it is what it is, right? Like it, it just is what it is. Uh, McDavid is not bigger than Gretzky. I'm talking, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying like marketability in the modern environment. Like, yes, McDavid, McDavid, I mean, Connor, like Wayne Gretzky is a phenomenal, a phenomenal scorer in the NHL and scored a ton of points, won a ton of Stanley cups. And yeah, like, put LA on the map as a hockey destination in my view maybe maybe after Dion started the fire but like Wayne Gretzky going to LA like made it an inferno for a while the point I'm trying to make is that Connor McDavid should be unbelievably marketable for the sport and he isn't they're not they're not doing that he should be on billboards every single time the Edmonton Oilers come to town in any city in in America because he's you literally would buy a ticket to watch Connor McDavid step on the ice and do his thing for 60 minutes. Like that is why you should be doing that and why the NHL should be so much more successful than they are. But because of factors that revolve around culture and a number of other things, it's, 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 it's artificially hampering itself. It, it holds itself back from the marketability potential that other sports have. Someone and someone just mentioned he lacks a personality. Unfortunately, like I, I think I think that you know I don't. When I look at the NFL, like there aren't that many like insanely huge personalities in the NFL. Like yeah, I think there are more than in hockey. I mean, basketball is the NBA is way off into the high end high end of marketability and personality, and I love it that for that. Um, but I mean, I look at the NFL and even guys who aren't super personable they still are pretty popular and like they still have interesting things to say. And I feel like if Connor McDavid, again, the cultural thing, Connor McDavid, I think if he were, if the culture around how players present themselves and talk to the media, even like as a, as a professional, if that was done a little bit differently, yeah, I feel like it would also drive a lot more. I, I think a lot of, of, I think it would drive a lot more, uh, attention to hockey, right? Like, like when I was a kid, the NHL in the States was at par with like the NBA and the NFL. And then the lockout happened and the game got better, but everything kind of grinded to a standstill. And the focus for a long time was how can we be really tough and fight and, and, and battle and, and play physical. And only in the last few years, I think, has the NHL really turned a corner with driving that sort of everyone should be able to score. That's what the fans are paying for. Like they like the speed, they like the pace. That's what that's what the larger market really wants to see in their sports. You know, like that's what they want. They don't want to see trap hockey. You know, it might work to keep games two one, but that's not going to sell tickets as much. So I don't know. It's 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 a long, complicated discussion. Ho- hockey hockey is just a very strange. It's a strange sport in the in the in the in the marketplace of sports in North America. Uh. You can't have a best-on-best tournament without Ovechkin or Kucherov. Well, okay, sure, sure. But, like, 
I don't, I, 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 like, does that, like, again, like, does that mean that we don't do anything? Like, does that mean we deprive Sidney Crosby of winning an Olympic gold medal? Does that mean we deprive Connor McDavid of, of going for a gold medal? Like, just be, just because one bad apple is there, do we let it spoil the whole bunch? Right. And it seems like the answer for now has been yes, but I don't care. Like I, I want to see Connor McDavid play against the best players he possibly can play against. And this is extraordinary. Like the situation that Russia has put themselves in is unprecedented and extraordinary. And it's the right thing to do. Keeping them excluded, in my opinion, is the right thing to do. It sucks, but it's the right thing to do. Sometimes the real world is very complicated. But that doesn't mean to me that you just say, like, just because you can't literally call it best on best, like, you you literally can't call it best on best. Like, I'll admit that. But I don't think anyone is, I don't think anyone really is that concerned with the semantics of best on best. People just want to see Connor McDavid play with Sidney Crosby. People want to see, you know, uh, they, they want to see these guys play against the best in the world and represent their country. Like I would be, I'd be so, I'm 32 years old. My draft year was 2008. Canada was at the 2010 Olympics. I wouldn't have gone. I wouldn't have been there. If I was an NHL player, I wouldn't have been there. 2014, they didn't go, right? No, that was Sochi. So they did go. So 2014 was the last Olympics where they could have been eligible. I would have been 24. I probably wouldn't have gone. I would have been a bubble guy if I was if I was good in the NHL. I would have it would have been a bubble. Um and 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 then that's it for me, right? At 24, that was my last chance to play in a best on best tournament and I'm probably not making that team. Just because of how often the tie goes to the veteran, right? So that that to me is unacceptable. Like that 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 I'm 32 years old now and when I think back to 2014, that feels like a really long time ago. And I don't know, like it, it would really annoy me. And, 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 you know, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just patriotic. Cause I, I, I love the country where I come from. Um, oh my goodness. See, like, this is what I mean. The checks are not out of this game guys. It's not over. Like they're playing hard. They beat Canada earlier. They're playing hard. Like this game is not over. I don't feel bad for them at all. They're playing hard. This is, this is, a, this is a tight game. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 it's very long and complicated. Um, who is bigger in Canada at the moment, McDavid or Alfonso Davies? Worldwide, obviously Davies. I'm curious to see how it's seen there. Oh, I think McDavid. Maybe after the World Cup, it's 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 a little bit closer, but uh, I think Davies is like for, if you're a sports wonk in Canada, then yeah, I think he might be more important to you than McDavid. I will also say that the MLS has been on like an exponential growth uh, in terms of popularity. I, I saw a fascinating tweet thread today about just how... Uh, just how important, um, just how important David Beckham has been to the MLS and how MLS valuations went from like when he went to the, the, when he went into the MLS, TFC paid $10 million for their expansion fee or $8 million or something. And the most recent expansion fees were $325 million. And David Beckham went to the MLS, I think in 2005, I want to say. So in the last 17 years, the amount that it costs to start a new franchise in the MLS has gone up 400 times. No, three, no. What is it? Eight, so it went from 8 million. Ugh, oh my God, I can't believe I have to do this by hand. Equals 325 divided by eight. 
Yeah, like almost 40 times the cost of the cost of building a new of starting a new franchise in 15 years has gone up 40 times. And valuations for most MLS teams are like around half a billion dollars now to th- like 300 to 500 million dollars. And most NHL teams are around that. And the NHL's been around for 100 years. Like the NHL is falling behind. They are falling behind. And so maybe in my myopic hockey centric view, it seems kind of crazy to me that Alfonso Davies would be less marketable uh, or less of a big deal. But you know what? It may be closer than we think. But I do think that McDavid, just based on his standing in the sport in general and how he plays and what he does, I think he does have more of a big profile. Um, but I mean, Davies is a hell of an athlete. I guess that that's 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 another thing to 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 point out. Um. Yeah, the quest for the next Lucic was a hell of a ride. You know what? And now, you, yeah, and you mentioned now that people are looking for the next Tage Thompson. I, I know. I, I know. I will say, someone mentioned this looks delicious. It is. It's excellent. Um, it's definitely heavy on the fudge part uh, and coffee more than anything. But it's it's thick and tasty. It's good. It's good. It's good stuff. The Blue Bus from Bandit Brewery, if you live in Toronto. Uh, I think it's in Roncesvalles. It's a nice place. Really good burger there, too. They do a really good hamburger. Uh, and yes, it does come with cheese without having to ask for cheese, which is good. <clears throat> um... One key thing hockey needs is a proper pundit guy. Hockey needs a Stephen A. Smith or Shannon Sharp, Skip Bayless level personalities to discuss the topics of the day. A hundred percent, I agree with you. Like a million percent, Bobby. I, 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 I a million percent agree. Um, you know, hockey. I think uh, hockey. It's it's just again, it's a cultural thing. Like hockey is a very conservative, reserved people. The way people talk about it is very conserved, and 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 held back. Except when people get really, really vocal about it, they're kind of jerks about it. I find a lot of the time, like, like I, fi- I don't know. It's it, there's there, there, nobody, nobody really has found that balance of of how to have you know really smart, good analytical takes. Well, not maybe not analytical, but really well thought out and reasoned takes that that are that are that 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 set aside all the cultural biases in the sport and just look at the output of what players are doing you know it's 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 and it can be hard to separate those things in hockey but i think i don't think there's been a person that really rides that line super super well while having a really fun marketable social media-esque personality like i really like mike johnston i really like uh i really like mike kelly um but like I don't I don't really foresee those guys going viral. You know what I mean? Like I don't I don't really see that. Um someone mentioned John Tortorella. I think Tortorella certainly holds a candle to that, but I think he also hates being on television, which I can also level with. Um but yeah, I mean look, I don't know. I don't know. I I I, I think I think hockey does have this sort of like formality to it that makes it a lot harder to be yourself and and there's again it's this divide right like you've got old school fans and new fans like i think the new fans are very viciously hungry for what we're talking about and i think the old school fans are they they miss don cherry right like the old school fans are like hockey is getting too soft so when we see something new and familiar that 
that likes this sort of modern NHL where it's more based around goal scoring and all four lines can score, you you have two sort of factions that get really angry if you stray too far from like a boring middle ground, right? So you have to really be careful about what you say and how you say it, and it just kind of removes the 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 spontaneity and the fun factor from it, right? It's like playing trap hockey, but with your words, you know? It's like, it works, but no one likes it, and then and everybody just ends up bored, right? But it works. Um... If there was NHL players at the last Olympics, it would have been one of the most talented teams ever. Yeah, it's true. It would have been amazing. Um, yeah, if someone mentioned P.K. Subban, I think P.K. Subban going on ESPN is a good step in the right direction. Like, he's he's always been very personable. Um, obviously, like, he's a guy who, you know, whatever, you, say what you want about him. Like, he's, I think he's a perfect example, right? Like, I think he's, a, I, I, I think it's perfectly reasonable to say, look, I understand why people might not be the biggest fan of P.K. Subban, but you gotta love him for what he does, right? Like, what he represents and what he's trying to do, right? Like, you, you, you just, if you set aside the narratives about him, it's like, he's very personable, you know, he, he's almost like a meme of himself in some ways, especially with those training videos that he used to post and all that stuff, like, but he's he's very personable. He's a funny dude. He's apparently a really, really nice guy. Obviously, you'd have to be quite a nice guy to organize the charitable situation he did in Montreal. Like, that's an incredible undertaking that he has stuck with, um, which is really, really good. Um, and I think he's a really good example of, like, a player who has become a broadcaster who I think a lot of people with moderately good reason is not the biggest fan of. But... I think it's also perfectly reasonable and should be acceptable to say, yeah, but he's probably going to be a really good thing for like how hockey is talked about and marketed and presented to the world, because that's kind of what needs to change. And it might be a little, little scraggly, a little ugly from time to time, but like, I think he's a good example of like where things need to go because I think healthy debate and healthy disagreement is something that we need more of in sports or at least in hockey, right? Like with panelists, genuinely disagree with each other but come to an agreement of like yeah you know what like look like this is the way things are or should be but i understand that like there's this and this and this right like it's 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 all about sort of making incremental changes i guess is what i'm saying and i think i think pk suban's a pretty big incremental change in the right direction uh beckham got a literal mst mls team for signing in the mls that's just hilarious and now the value is skyrocketing well that's exactly what the thread was about about how he signed up for a relatively low salary but he got a percentage of total like gross revenue from the team, which is insane. And they've had exponential growth over the last 15, 20 years. And I think in that tweet thread, there was also a stipulation in his contract that if the team's value crossed a certain threshold and he retired, he had the right from the MLS to start his own team. That is insane. But when David Beckham wants to come to North America to play football in the 2000s, you give him whatever the hell he wants. And it seems to have worked because the MLS is very quickly becoming one of the major sports in North America at a faster rate than the NHL is keeping up with the NBA and NFL, which is pretty wild to me. And I've been barely paying attention to this game, but from what I've seen, it's been pretty tight this period, the last 10 minutes. Um, 
Oh, I think I've heard of Bear Lasers beer. I don't know. Maybe I've seen the can in stores. I'm pretty sure darts, NASCAR, and bowling are on par, on par with hockey in terms of popularity. I mean, darts is amazing. I'm not going to fault darts. Darts, The darts clip of the nine dart round that got posted where two guys almost got a nine darter uh, was incredible. That was unbelievable. I am pretty sure that it's a penalty when you don't have your helmet strapped on and Gabriel Sturch does not have his helmet strapped on and the referee is staring at him the whole time. I could have sworn that if you have your helmet undone for an extended period of time and you get warned about it and you don't fix it, you could get a penalty. But maybe I'm just being a baby. Uh, problem with the NHL is you don't have dominant players that just carry teams. It's a lot more team-based than other sports, which makes hot takes a lot harder to exaggerate. Yes and no. I, I think that that's partially true. But like, I I don't know. I think this is just me and my anecdotal experience. But I think the way that I talk about players is quite a lot different from how a lot of people talk about players, right? Like when someone says, oh, this person skates really well. Look at how fluid he is. I always think about that and go, yeah, but doing what? Right? Like what is it about this player that is great? in what situation, right? Like if I can skate really, really well, but suck in a game, that doesn't, that doesn't, that, that, that makes a difference. Oh, there goes my boy Yuri Tiachek. Uh, so, so for me, I, I just think the way that it's talked about is, you know, like I really liked how Kevin Bieksa early on in his time at Hockey Night in Canada really sort of dug into sort of the nitty gritty of like, well, here's what makes this player special that he does so well. Um, and once in a while you do see segments about that, which I think is, oh boy, uh, which I think is always really, really interesting. And I think hockey needs more of that. I think it's doable. Um, but I see your point about how, like, you can't just identify a player and go like, look how sick he is. And it's like as good as other sports. Uh, problem with hockey is that there's no, is that there's no personality. And when there is one, it gets ridiculed. Yeah, that's true. Um, guys like biz nasty Subban and others make it fun. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I, I don't watch a lot of those TNT broadcasts, but what I've seen, they're okay. Um, and hockey fans do definitely gatekeep. That's 100% a thing that definitely happens, for sure. Um, and yeah, and then Bobby following up with, with Biz Nasty being uh, a, the aura of toxic frat boy mentality. Yeah, I mean, that's true too, but I think I think you do kind of, at least for now, like you kind of need that, but it, you you need to put something against it that is a more intellectual and educated, right? Like you need someone to come out there. And when biz goes off on some tangent about whatever the hell he's going off about someone who can think of just a quick one liner of like, yeah. So then why does he still suck? Right? Like, why can't he score goals? Like, why can't he make a pass to save his life? Like, and be right about it. Right. Oh, that's one. That's one. Ladies and gentlemen, we got a game. Where's that, where's that person? Where's that person saying that, oh, I feel bad for the Czechs. Oh, they tried so hard. Bruh, the game is not over. This is tight. This could be fun. This is going to be a fun finish here. Let's go. Uh, let's go. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, like, I don't listen to Spit, spit and Chicklets. I, I, I think I listened to the first two or three episodes and then got sick and tired of it and turned it off, right? Like, Oh boy. Are we going to have an offside controversy? We could talk about offsides a lot if you want to close out the stream uh, for the next 20 minutes because 
uh, my hot take is um, video reviews are insane now and uh, we should automate offsides. Forget about video reviews uh, except for like goalie interference and uh, offside. You got you got a chip in the puck, put a chip in the boards and a chip in people's sweaters uh, and, 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 and I don't know, fix it somehow with some sort of automated system for offside. Oh, they're counting it. Okay, well, here we go. Um, oh, God. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I personally am not a huge fan of spit and chiclets, and I do think that they do reflect some of the things in hockey that we're trying to get out. Um, but I do think that that you that 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 again, like you want to put an environment on TV where you can have people that disagree and people have like crazy takes because that's fun, right? Like, there's a reason why Biz Nasty is so popular. Um, but you also would love to have someone who could play ball with them and be like, well, then why is, if that's all true, then why this, right? Like someone who can give them a counterpoint that, that over time, hopefully more and more people go, yeah, you know what? That's true. You know, it's like, oh, you, this is true. Um, now granted the company that runs Spit and Chicklet, someone just mentioned, not a great example of like a modern sports media enterprise, but uh, especially because, you know, when you mention that, the people who like it go bananas and completely lose their mind and call you a snowflake when they're the ones being a snowflake. It's wild and bizarre and weird, but that's their prerogative. That's how they've become what they are. And again, like if you want to go to battle with them, I think you have to like, you have to put someone who can play ball while also, oh my goodness. See, it's not over. I told you. I told you. Ladies and gentlemen, we got a hockey game. Oh boy. They are, uh, the checks, the checks just, yep. Just like that. The checks, they, they, yep. If this goes to overtime, I may literally die on camera. I may literally pass away, uh, and and it's gonna be awful. Um, oh my goodness! Oh my god! This is why we watch, right? We want to see this. We want to. We want to see this. Oh boy. Um I forget where we where we were on that discussion. My my brain kind of completely changed gears. Let's go, Logan. Come on. Nope. Yeah, Yuri Kulik has had a great tournament, by the way. Like I've I I've I've really liked him. Like I thought he was one of the better two hundred foot guys last year. Um, and I, I think he's still bringing it this year. Like I thought, I thought he was, I thought he's been playing, uh, really, really well in this tournament rather than just, Oh, I'm going to take all the pucks from my teammates on, on the power play and just crank them into the net myself. Like he can do that, but he's doing a lot more. Oh my goodness. I thought that went in. Um, and yeah, Beckham's an owner in Miami. I know that it's, uh, it's pretty incredible. Like that guy has made a fortune's fortune just from, coming to North America and getting involved in the MLS and made a lot of people a lot of money probably too with that too, which is really nice. Nice defensive breakup there from my boy Yuri Tiachek doing the, doing the right stuff. 
Uh, <laughs> watching darts is actually incredible. The audience is so hyped. Commentators are great, and the players look like average Joes at the local club who walk on stage with their own theme songs. Yeah, I know. I love watching darts. When I was a kid, and I would get, I would be sick from school, uh, uh, or I had a test, and I didn't feel like writing it. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm half joking, but I, I, I would absolutely be putting the darts on and 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 checking it out. Oh boy, because um, I loved, I love watching darts. Uh, it's it's great. Um. We need a Shaq and Barkley dynamic in the booth. Who can really offer that, though? 90% of NHLers are as boring as watching paint dry. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think, I, I don't know the background of Stephen A. Smith. Like, where did Stephen A. Smith come from? I don't know. But he wasn't an NBA player, right? Like, you don't need players. That's the other thing, too, is, like, hockey as a whole, why do you need players to do everything in the media, like, to be fun? Why, why do they need to be players? You know, like... I don't know. I, I'm not the biggest Steve Dangle podcast fan, but like, I feel like an unhinged version of Adam Wilde on an intermission show would be so bad it's good. You know, like so bad it's good. Like that guy has takes for days and you could get into screaming matches with him every single day. He, and he would love to instigate screaming matches on TV every single day. He would love it. Yeah, Ray Bro, you mentioned AJ AJ Jadaro. Yeah, he's a great example of a guy who definitely has takes and he will go to bat for them. They're hot. He doesn't care. He'll he'll whatever. Like it's that that and luckily he is all he was uh, uh, like already he is a guy who is in sports sports media college, I think, and he is going to be doing just fine. Like he he knows what he's doing. Uh, yeah, Alex Nelson, the, SB, the SDPN guys were unhingedly laying into Bettman the other day. The other day, they do that every other podcast for like 45 minutes. So yeah, like I'm not surprised. And I think that's a big reason why guys like those guys will never be on major NHL broadcasts or whatever, because they openly admit like Gary Bettman is banned from their show. But I'm just using him as an, as an example of like someone who is out of nowhere. Yeah. Pat Maroon. Pat Maroon's a great example of a guy who I think would make a pretty interesting broadcaster, or at least you give him a try, right? You give him an intermission segment as a special guest, see what he does, and you let him say whatever he wants, right? It's like the whole thing. You can say whatever you want once. I'd love to see some of that in hockey, like just guys who are just like out there and having fun on TV and, and talking about a game that they understand and love. Like, I would love, I would love to do a show or something with a guy like Pat Maroon, like someone who you know, clearly, you know, isn't a, like a troglodyte about the game, right? Like someone who is, I think when I hear Pat Maroon, like chirping guys and making fun of people, it's like, man, that's a good burn. Like this guy knows, <laughs> this guy knows a way with words, right? Like, I think it would be very fun to be someone as an outsider who like sees the game on this sort of different level in this different way to like challenge my, challenge me on things and like have a fun conversation and have him sort of really push me around a little bit and sort of have some fun. I, I, I would love to do that personally with, with someone like that. Um, and, and yeah, I definitely think, uh, Pat Maroon, just based on what I've heard him say in the public and in the media, like that would be a fun, that would be a fun show. Um, just, Oh no. But yeah, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, yeah, there's definitely people out there who exist that know how to talk about hockey in a way that I think makes it really marketable, but you definitely have to have like a good a good balance of of different attitudes and 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 ways of handling things that that kind of complement each other um complement each other quite a bit. 
Oh my goodness, I'm, this is, this is a tight one. Again, who, whoever commented, I feel bad for the checks because, uh, you know, it's like, you jinxed it, bruh. I don't appreciate being force-fed Trevor Zegras. Well, if I ran the world, I'd be force-feeding you Logan Stankoven. I mean, I love, one of my th the things I love is the gold medal winning goal from the World Juniors in the summer where uh, I think it was Ken Johnson who scored it, who t who literally put a man on his back and spun around and made that play to get the puck to Ken Johnson and nobody gives him any screen time whatsoever. And who is playing second fiddle to Connor Bedard and also doing extraordinarily well scoring points and, and driving a lot of play up the ice with Connor Bedard and is not really getting a lot of attention for it. Logan Stankoven, I will not shut up uh, about that and uh i i definitely uh i definitely will will not shut up about it it's because uh he is my hero yeah that's icing for sure St stank bombs <laughs> yep Yeah, some, whenever he scores, I tell him, I I tweeted it last night, but I've been saying it to myself. He stank. Something stank. Something's there's some stank coming from somewhere. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Oof. All right, Shane, let's go. I really, I really like. It's so funny watching Thomas Sahanik be so good this year because. If you just looked at the data from last year of all the goaltenders that I tracked, let me see if I can even find it. Um, is this it? I think Thomas Sahanik was the best kind of goalie um, that was available. Like Thomas Suhanik, he faced uh, 44% of his shot attempts that he faced were from dangerous areas, which only re-dick passed him but his save percentage was 870 on those on those opportunities he faced 22 percent of his of his shot attempts from high danger areas which is second to a guy who played in the check site in the check junior level and he had an 880 805 save percentage from there and then 805 would have put him what is it yeah like it would have put him sixth behind three russians a, 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 a three times undrafted guy playing in a weak conference in, 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 uh, in the NCAA, nobody who even came close in terms of high danger shot volume. Um, Suhanik was outstanding in terms of just raw data last year. Um, and I should have put more faith into that. And looking at this year, I mean, there are some goalies that have some incredible data as well. Like, like, uh, maybe not him because he's playing Swiss Junior. But, like, Jacob Fowler with the Youngstown Phantoms, 50% of his shot attempts against are dangerous, and he has an 881 save percentage from there. Um, that's just unbelievable. He has an 849 in high danger shot attempts. That's also just, like, unbelievable. Um, so he's facing a lot of pucks and saving a lot of pucks. Michael Harabel is also pretty high up there, too, with an 878 dangerous save percentage. Um, that's pretty good considering some of the other guys that are on this list. So 
it's interesting it's it's very very interesting uh and and it's you know it's something i'm exploring a little more using instat data with goaltenders and and looking at more specific save percentages and workloads and where the shots are coming from using their data so it's been really really cool to play around with that um and it's a big reason why i have goalies this year ranked in my sort of top two rounds that when over the last couple of years i probably wouldn't have done so um because i do think that there's a few good goaltenders that are good options for this year's draft um which reminds me i should probably update this data uh thoughts on the yotes do you think armstrong has this team in the right direction uh well i mean i I don't know if dylan griffin is still in here he probably isn't but he was sending us uh in a in a in a, in a thing I'm, I'm involved in he uh oh boy he uh he was sending some videos of Archam Duda doing his thing, Dudaing his thing. Still wouldn't have drafted that guy top forty, and it blows my mind that 110 picks later Vladimir Grudinin went off the board. So that blows my mind, but whatever. Um, trading all those picks for Connor Geeky, uh, okay, you know, we'll see, but mm, probably wouldn't have done it. I don't know. I think the Yotes are uh they're they could be doing a lot better. I'll say that. I don't think they're doing poorly, but I think they could be doing a lot better. Uh, who are all, who are your all-time favorite athletes in general? Oh, that, that's a good one. Um, I think Paul Correa's up there. Again, I'm just going off sentimental, not saying like these are the goats for me. Um, he's right up there. Um, I think I have a lot of, I have a lot of time for the Williams sisters, um, Venus and Serena Williams. Like I just remember growing up watching them playing tennis and they were just like astoundingly talented uh, athletes and, and, and just unbelievable, both of them, you know, uh, Venus and Serena. And I know, I know Serena gets a lot of attention, but I, I think Venus is right there with her. Um, I, I, I think they both are, they deserve a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of respect. Um, my favorite athletes of all time. I mean, Connor McDavid is up there. I love watching Connor McDavid. I'll watch Oilers games just to watch Connor McDavid, like almost everybody else on the planet. Um, trying to think of non NHL. I have a lot of respect for Patrick Mahomes. I think Patrick Mahomes, just the way he plays football. I'm not a huge football for. I'm not a huge football fan, but I, I love when guys are just like playing like they're on a different level. And I think Patrick Mahomes is one of those guys who just has that capability. Um. You know, that's that's a big one. I'm thinking about other ones from when I was a kid. Uh, um It's a really good question. So I, I, I wanna I wanna think about it. Um Yeah, like Paul Korea comes to mind right away in hockey. Right now, Connor McDavid for sure. Um trying to th- there's definitely like olympians that i've really really loved watching um oh and there's no shootout in the gold medal anymore yeah 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 that's right on that's sick oh my god like it's true every single freaking year canada oh Canada has a flair for the dramatic in this tournament. They really do. They barely, they find a way to find themselves in situations where they are barely getting away with it. And here we go again, right? Here we go again. This is, this is wild. Um, in the meantime, we can think about, about really great athletes that have meant a lot to me in my life. Um, 
Of course, when I'm like put on the spot, I know they exist, but now that I'm put on the spot, I can't think of them. Um, any any athlete that gets cancer and then comes back is automatically like just unbelievably inspirational to me. Like Mario Lemieux, Saku Saku Koivu. Um, you know, I mean, you don't want to make like a hierarchy of like cancer significance, but like Phil Kessel's on that list. But like, I don't know, there was something about Mario Lemieux retiring. And when he came back, I remember when he came back in the nineties and, and, and he was gone for, I think a year and a half. I could be wrong. He came back. I think down the stretch of that season, he was like two points per game and he was like dominated. He just was dominant. He, the dude, the dude got cancer and came back and was dominant. That's unbelievable. Like that, that boggles my mind. Like how, how can you ever say a bad thing about Mario Lemieux, at least as an athlete, when he does that, like that, that boggles my mind. Um, yeah. Okay. So someone posted a list, Messi, LeBron, Brady, uh, Tom Brady. Yeah. That's up there too. I mean, again, you want to talk about, they don't ask how they ask how many, like that's, he's the pinnacle Michael Jordan. Yeah. I have a lot, you know what, after I, I didn't really know a whole lot about Michael Jordan outside of space jam, uh, and not much else until that last dance documentary came out at the beginning of the pandemic. That was a really, really incredible, um, incredible documentary that I think illuminated a lot about Michael, not only Michael Jordan, but like how, like what, what, what it's like to be Michael Jordan or like what it's like to be an athlete that is borderline committed to their sport to the point of like being unhinged. I, I think, I think that it was a really great a look into not just him, but like the group that was around him and the organization and like what it was like being there. So I have a hundred, I have a ton of time for Michael Jordan as one of the greatest athletes of all time. Um, yeah, Michael Schumacher, I, I could say is up there too. Ayrton Senna, I think, I think Ayrton Senna is maybe a better example for me just because I don't know, I've gotten into motorsports just like everyone else during the pandemic. And I watched the Senna documentary not about a year ago and I loved it. And I think Ayrton Senna is such a great example of like loving the sport that he's part of for like the purest reasons, right? Like he adore he adores he adores motor racing, right? Like he adored it and and every single op- he lived for every single opportunity to to be better at it. And because he loved it. And I think that I think I mean I'm not a religious person, but he was also from what I can recall a pretty religious person. And like, you know, he, he, it seemed as though he was legitimately a person who believed they were on a mission from God to just like be the best at a thing. It's like God, like, and again, again, not a religious person, but I can totally understand the logic of God gave me this spark in my head, right? I was born with the spark of like, I want to be a motor car racer. Like I am going to race cars. I don't care what it takes. God is telling me this is what I'm going to do. And he goes out and friggin' does it. And he does it to the point where it's like unbelievable. And, 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 and it's, you know, his career obviously gets cut short. It's tragic. The circumstances around it, it's tragic. It's awful. But that's one in motorsport, at least where I look at that and go, yeah, this guy, this guy was like on another level. Like this guy just was exceptional, right? Like one of these human beings where you're just like, okay, he's on a different like plane of existence, right? You know, I, I think it's it's like how Connor, Connor McDavid on the ice 
when he's on the ice in the NHL, it's like a different plane of existence. Like he, he does stuff that most other guys just wish they could do. And I think Ayrton Senna like lived that. Like he, he wanted to, 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 to do what no one else could do. And, and because he loved the, what loved what he did so much. So that, that's another great one. Um, who else is on your list here? Uh, Nadal. Yeah. Nadal had the numbers, has the numbers behind him for sure. Um, now you know what I'm gonna do this because I I I have no shame. Um, greatest athletes of all time. There's a there's a cricket player as well that I think was like a cheat code. Um, I also you know what I'll throw Muhammad Ali in there because I'm also a history buff and I have so much respect for what Muhammad Ali sort of stood for and and what he what he did with his with with himself in his life. Uh, and how he presented himself and, and, you know, like, I don't mind a guy who trash talks, especially if they can back it up. Right. Like, and he backed it up every time, but he also was a guy who had principles in life and, and stood up for what he believed in and like legitimately went to bat. Like he was blacklisted because of what he believed in a country where it's like, Oh, you're allowed to believe whatever you want. And I think that that is so admirable. Like whether he's right or wrong, on how he felt about the issues that he was passionate about. I mean, you can argue that, but I look at a guy like Muhammad Ali and go, you know what? The positions that he had and the things that when you listen to what he was talking about, when people would push back on him for how he chose to live his life, you can see, I can, I can, I, 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 I absolutely empathize with how Muhammad Ali saw the world, how he saw, you know, things like the Vietnam war and, and how he was avoiding the draft and how he was penalized for that. But he, he had, very good reasons for doing so. And I, I, again, like I thought that that was a very interesting sort of inflection point in, in history for, for America. Like he was a good sort of exemplary case where, where that's the case. Um, you know, he's, he's just a very, it was, I, 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 I would never say like, I want to be like Muhammad Ali, right? Like, it's not like I idolize him into the point where it's like, I want to be like him, but I always find, I love stories and people who are living lives that are extraordinary right? Like something beyond just living a normal life, right? Like he wasn't just a great athlete. Like he was a phenomenal athlete, but off the, out of the ring, he, he had this like persona that was like larger than life. And he really believed what he, what he, what he believed. And he stuck by it to the point where the government got involved. Like that's, that's crazy. That's crazy to me. Um, and I can't even imagine, like, I get freaked out when I have takes like, oh, I don't think Matvey Michkov's a top five pick. The Canadian government's not going to blacklist me for saying that Matvey Michkov's not a top five pick, right? Like, that's not going to happen. Some people are going to leave silly comments on my channel and say, I don't watch hockey or I don't whatever. I don't care. I don't care. It That stuff just blows my mind, though, and I, I think he's a great example of that. Um, I don't know. Will Chamberlain, sure. Jim Brown, whatever, sure. <laughs> Lance Armstrong is on this list. That's questionable tiger woods uh, maybe not someone you want to idolize but he was a great athlete uh jackie robinson i think is up there too but again that that that's strictly political but he also was a great he was a great athlete but i think you know i, I just i just can't imagine living that life like it just blows my mind that, that 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 jackie robinson was a person who was alive and and did what he did um Barry Bonds, Barry Bonds, Ty Cobb. Yeah. Again, a lot of people you don't want to model yourself after as a person, but yeah, great athletes. Um, 
Deion Sanders, any multi-sport athlete for sure. Yeah, definitely up there. Um, yeah, Ty Cobb is on this list. I thought that was really funny. Um, I'm noting. I'm. I am noting that there's no women on this list. No, no women at all. Um, Mike Tyson again. Maybe not someone you want to model everything after, but I mean, his life has turned out decently okay. Uh, I like, I like Mike Tyson. I mean, Mike Tyson is a boxer. Like, I don't know. Sometimes on my YouTube algorithm, I don't know about any of you, but I'll get a, an algorithm thing where it's like, Hey, do you want to watch Mike Tyson's most brutal knockouts? And I'll go, yes, I do want to watch Mike Tyson's most brutal knockouts. Uh, and I, I look and I go, I look at some of the other fighters that he fought against back in the day. And I'm like, yeah, Mike Tyson sort of changed things in boxing, I think. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a boxing buff at all. But he came in and I think he was for heavyweight boxers at least like completely just completely a mutant that was out of out of just made by the gods to box, right? Like he was ferocious and ruthless and he wanted to destroy you, which you know, yeah, not saying that other boxers didn't want to do that, but he went out there and destroyed you. Like, he 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 would catch... When he caught you, that was it. Yeah, someone's saying Kobe Bryant. That's another big one as well. Yeah, no, I'm definitely noticing the lack of women on this list, so I don't know. Oh, it's Bleacher Report. That's probably why. Uh, okay. Um, let's see if there's anything... Let's see if there's anything else. Bo Jackson, yeah. <laughs> Zinedine Zidane. Okay, so this is more about just like athletic ability, I guess. Jesse Owens is a big one. I think Jesse Owens is a big one. Jesse Owens, like, again, 1936 Olympic Games in Berlin. Jesse Owens goes out there and wins four gold medals in front of a guy who is literally like, you should not exist. That is the most insane, badass thing I have I have heard in a long time. Jesse Owens is unbelievably inspirational to me just because, again, it's like, wh like, wh like what is he even like? That, that, that's a man that lived, right? Like, Jesse Owens did what he did, right? Like, that that's just, that's an unbelievable, like, just the life situation is just completely bananas to me and otherworldly. Like, I just cannot even begin to, to, to comprehend what that must have been like to win multiple gold medals at an event where the guy who ran the show where you were racing and everything was like, yeah, no, you, you, you don't have a right to be alive, basically. Like, I am so superior to you that, like, I'm getting rid of you. And he went out there and was like, yeah, mm, how about this? And he won four gold medals. Like, that's... That's bananas to me, and that's that's inc that's incredible. Like again, I I'm a sucker for for inspirational stories that go beyond just being really good at the sport, right? Like where you overcome adversity and like psychological adversity, like that 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 setting that aside and being able to win gold medals just like boggles my mind. Oh, and here's Alexander Karelin. Um, oh yeah, I know about this guy. Again, I'm not a wrestling guy. I don't know much about this, um, but. Yeah, uh, undefeated for 13 years, not bad. That's pretty good.
Martina Navratilova. Yeah, I remember Navratilova when I was little. Um, she was a big deal. Oh, Michael Vick. Like, again, if you separate personal and professional, Michael Vick, I remember when he was young and, and playing in the NFL, one of the most electrifying athletes in the world when he was there. Like, just... He he was like a he, again he was like he was like transported from Star Trek universe back to modern day like just a completely different mutant style of football player that like was was um, unbelievable and and I remember watching him with the Falcons and being like that's how quarterbacks can play like the I don't know much about football but like that seems a little strange to me but it's awesome and here he goes right like just such a strange uh such a strange strange story but like such a strange changed the game that he sort of imposed on them. Nadia Comaneci, like that's a decent one too. Michael Michael Johnson isn't Michael Johnson the guy who got nailed for steroids in eighty eight? Mia Ham, yeah, Mia Ham is an underrated pick, I think. I think I think just because of the importance that Mia Ham had for women's soccer just in general. Like when I was a kid, she was the only star in women's soccer really, right? Like now, you know, we've got a few, um, Wambach, Mia Ham, you know, um, Hope Solo for a while was a pretty marketable, marketable name. Like Mia Ham though, uh, yeah, is up there. Oh, Simone Biles is another great example. The American gymnasts from like for over the last few Olympics, like American women's gymnasts have been unbelievable. Um, Oh, and I, I mean, I'm trying to think of something else. There's, there's, again, I'm trying to think of like Olympic athletes recently because I feel like there have been a lot who have just been unbelievable. Um, oh, you know who also blows my mind is Eliud Kipchoge, uh, the marathon runner. Um, he boggles my mind. He He's like the Wayne Gretzky of running marathons and he's been doing it forever. And that's a great example of, uh, of, of a guy who I think just like is just a, beast uh at what he does um <laughs> tony hawk yeah oh don bradman that's the one i was thinking of the cricket player don bradman um batting average of 99.94 not that i know exactly what that means um Lionel messi at 48 sorry to break it to you but the athletic build knows what they're doing i think um highly gibber selassie yeah that's another good example Oh, the guy, the guy from Norway, um, Karsten Tolberg, Karsten. Oh my God. The guy who set all the records at the Olympics this year or last year, Karsten Varholm. Is that his name? Yeah. Karsten Varholm. That guy boggles my mind. I mean, he's still, he's still racing, doing his thing. Um, but what was the, he set like the 400 world record, like, three times in two weeks and like at the olympics it like just he destroyed it um yeah he broke his old record at the 2020 olympics by almost like by three quarters of a second that's friggin in that's insane um that that's just hilarious that's just wild um Max Verstappen. Yeah, I think Max Verstappen, like, cross-section right now is certainly there relative to their sport. Like, this season in the F1 year, he was a... He, it wasn't even close. Like, he... he, he he's found such a... Again, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not, like, an F1 expert, but just from watching Max Verstappen over the last, I think, four seasons it's been, or three seasons, like, he has found a way 
to go from one of the craziest, most insane drivers on the grid to one of the, he's like harnessed it. And now he's like, I know my limitations. The car is built around my limitations and I am going to drive like a madman and win every race by like a lap and a half. And that's kind of how it goes. It's pretty incredible. Uh, yep. Someone mentioned Magnus Carlson. That's probably a good example, different kind of sport, but it works. Uh, have I watched James Petrovsky from Owen sound? I have not. So I'll check him out. Um, I'll add him to the list. Um, Usain Bolt would be up there. That's true. Uh, Adrian Peterson. Yeah, he could be in there. Uh, over, uh, 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 overtime's about to start. So we're going to go back to the game here. Uh, I am going to say that for Canada, uh, because I want to see it, I think Connor Bedard's going to score. Uh, and for the Czechs, uh, let's give it to, yeah, we'll go with Matias Sapovalov. We'll say Sapovalov and, uh, Sapovalov and Bedard. That'll be it. Yuri Tiachek for the Czechs, that would be quite something. I would lose it. If Yuri Tiachek wins for the Czechs right now, I would lose my mind. I wouldn't be able to handle it. I wouldn't be able to handle it at all, Alex. I wouldn't handle it at all. I wouldn't handle it well. I'll say that. Bedard, by his standards, has been quiet. Yeah, I guess, you know. He's had a few good chances in this game for sure. He's set up a few plays, I think, from what I can recall. There's a bit of that uh, Connor Bedard being allowed to do whatever he wants there, but it's cool. It works. Yeah, mm -mm. not ideal there, Connor. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. Someone just mentioned that the Rangers didn't draft Adam Fox. They got him in a trade. That is true. I forgot about that. If anything, that strengthens my point. But that was like two hours ago. Oh, boy. Why didn't I say Josh Watt to score the OT winner? Eh, I don't fall. I don't follow Adam Fox at all. If anything, more people should do that. Pick where you want to play. If you have the opportunity to pick where you want to play, pick where you want to play. That's how I want to. That's how I want the world to work. 
Don't force 18 year olds to play just, just where a bunch of old dudes say you should play. Pick where you want to play. Let teams sell you on their program and follow through. Hold them to account. Uh, <laughs> DJ Stu, what's going on, bud? We're boys. We go back. I'm not, I'm not stressed. I'm good. Time for a refill, though. Gotta reach into my bag of tricks. Yeah, that ain't icing. Come on. I feel like people would voluntarily want to play in Winnipeg once in a while. I don't know. I still... It, I think if that's the case, then it artificially deflates a player's career by playing in Winnipeg just because, just because someone said they should and they hate it. But I also get the feeling that some people might actually want to play in a place like Winnipeg. I don't know. Maybe. I just find that the draft as a structure is wrong, and it's a wrong thing to do to 17-year-olds, let alone 14- and 15-year-olds like the WHL does. I just think that's wrong. Oh, I got it. Stupid can just explodes all over the place. I'm going to need to put all my keyboard keycaps through the dishwasher. Ooh. Like, I don't know. With the draft... Oh. I need a commercial break here. Like, with the NHL draft, the way I see it is you make it so that you have a system where teams have a certain number of entry-level contracts that can hand out every year to whoever they want as long, and it's an unlimited cap amount. There's a specific cap limit for the total amount of entry-level contracts you have on your team, but as long as you're under that amount, you can offer any player you want, any number you want. But you can also trade those entry-level slots to other teams if you want, and when the player comes off their entry-level contract, then you shift off to something to to you you gain that cap space back to spend on new youngsters so in the situation of a team like winnipeg they could utilize those elc spots and say look if we don't want to get if the guys that we want don't want to sign here we can trade the spots to where they do want to sign uh and where teams have the cap space maybe and we can uh get some assets for it right because i think if you're like the winnipeg jets and you're like well you know the 17 year old kids don't want to play for us but we can trade our entry-level contract slots and get, you know, 26-year-old veterans who can still play for us. Um, and, you know, maybe you have the equivalent of the first two rounds worth of players in this pool of entry-level contracts, and the rest get drafted, right? Like, my whole thing is, like, the best of the best in the world should have more flexibility to, to, to choose what fit they think is the best for them, right? And I, I, think, I think that if you play your cards right as an organization – you should be able to convince players to come and give you a chance, right? And and I think that you can also, in the draft, if you play your cards right, always find guys that are undervalued by other teams. And I think there is something socially advantageous to indicating to a teenager that, like, yes, we really believe in you a lot more than everyone else, and we really want to do what... Oh! And we really want to do what we think is best for your career. Like, that's what I'm, that's what I am more interested in. I mean, obviously you can't just do that with every young kid. So maybe you have a draft past it. Like if, if you're not signed by date X, you get put in a supplemental draft or something like that. Um, 
But I, yeah, I mean, I mean, I would, I would think it kind of does deflate their career by going to a place that they hate. Uh, uh oh. That's it. Game over. Game over. Canada, Canada, Canada. Let's go, baby. Well, look, I'm, dude. I am, I am one person sitting in my basement postulating about how to upend the entire NHL draft system. I'm not a, I'm not a players union. I am not a. I am not the NHL. I can't tell you how the system would work perfectly. I'm just saying the draft as a structure is bad and wrong and does dumb things to 17-year-old kids that they shouldn't have to deal with. Like, it just is silly. Like, that's all I'm saying. And the system in... I don't know. I haven't... I haven't, I haven't been paid a million dollars a year to figure out how to run a new system that replaces it. But in any case, go Canada, go. They won. They moved the... They won the... They won the thing. Uh, that was a much tighter game than anticipated, uh, as is tradition, but Canada has a flair for the dramatic, and here we go. Mikhail Holm, have I moved up Joshua? No, no I have not, and I will not, but that was a nice pass there from, to Dylan Gunther. But again, Joshua, find space, get open, I'll get you the puck, and for him to shovel the puck back across the, back across the crease, great, good move, that's a good move, good for him. Well, I mean, the Czechs can't be unhappy. I mean, they can be sad, but, like, that was a hell of a game. And they clawed their way back. They almost won it. A couple, of, like, right there at the end of the third period, a couple of bounces here and there going their way. That game would have ended very differently. But that's hockey, baby. That's the World Juniors, man. Canada, again, like, by the skin of their teeth, they do it just barely. Like, I love it. It's it's so hockey Canada. They can't, like, this last, the last one before this, they kind of dominated the whole way through. But, the, oh, man, like, I love it. I love it because it's so Hockey Canada. It's just great. Um, props to the Czech team. That's that's incredible. Uh, what a tournament from them. Um, I mean, my tournament all-star team, it's got to be Bedard, Stankoven, uh, and Net, maybe. Sahonic and Net. What else do we do here? Yeah, Bedard, Stankoven. Maybe you put Juracek on D. What else do we have here? Uh, oh, Logan Cooley should be on there. So Bedard, Stankoven, Cooley, I think go uh, up, up front on D. I mean, part of me wants to put Luke Hughes back there, but I don't know if he deserves it. Uh, Juracek, maybe Nemich or Zellweger. Probably Nemich. Hell yeah. Yeah, Sahanik has to be the goalie. I mean, Thomas Milich played really well too. Um, I think you could give it to any number of goaltenders. Like, I mean, I was pretty surprised that they pulled Trey Augustine for the third period of today's bronze medal game, but who cares? They won. Um, these hats are so lame. 
come on. They just won the gold medal at the World Juniors. You got to give them some fun hats here. Come on. You can't just put the put the logo on a Nike basic hat. Come on. Come on. Yeah, Sfosel, I think, could be on there. Uh, Sfosel and uh, and Juracek, I think, could be a perfectly reasonable selection for the D there. Yeah, I think that's a decent choice. Sfosel, Juracek with, uh, with Sahanik and Net and Bedard, Stankoven, Cooley up front. I think that's that's the one. Um, that's wild. Aw, Brendan Othman and Shane Wright. They get to share a gold medal together. That's nice. Twitter and Reddit are really low on Luke's Luke's play. Luke Hughes? Yeah, I mean, Luke Hughes was... I mean, Luke Hughes is bad. Like, we went over this before. Luke Hughes's bad moments were terrible, but he had some good moments. Like, he is a guy where he's Tesla stock. Some of the time, you're going to love owning Tesla stock. Some of the time, you're going to want to, you know, jump off a building if you own Tesla stock. With Luke Hughes, you get good and bad. Yeah, I was going to say, it'll be very interesting. I want to go back and watch the tape of Connor Bedard in this game because I got the feeling that the Czechs really did their homework on like what he does and what he's capable of and shut him down pretty well. Like, again, he was spectacular in this tournament, but he's not, a, he, he, there's, there's stuff, there's stuff there that, that could be dug into and, 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 and really sort of examined, um, because he's a you know he's a player that does have some strange tendencies but when it works and when he does get the chance to shoot the puck it is pretty friggin incredible and when he can make a play and has that he has that capability as well um extraordinary hockey player but very very interesting uh how tight the checks played him and how much they were able to sort of shut him down a little bit um really really good stuff what an unbelievable tournament this year i mean unbelievable and we can run through it right like Austria was not good, right? They were not good. They probably, under normal circumstances, they would have been relegated. Not a great situation for the Austrians, but whatever, right? Cool. They they showed up. They played hard. Cool. Uh, Latvia. I thought Latvia played actually pretty well. I I I, I thought Latvia played pretty well. Cons all things considered, they always show up for tournaments. They always sort of try to grind you down, slow you down. They they played really well in the relegation uh relegation side of things against Austria and and managed to keep themselves in the tournament for next year. Great stuff. The Germans they were also not very good, uh, but they got through the quarterfinals because Austria was worse. I don't know. We'll see how things go. But I mean, I've watched a bit of the German guys that could be on the team next year. I don't see a tremendous amount that could really move the needle relative to even the Norwegians. But I don't know. I've been wrong before. We'll see what goes on. The Swiss the Swiss actually played a lot better than I thought they would. Um, I thought they played pretty well, uh, all things considered. They didn't have the, the, the flair, but they actually had some, some cohesion to their team. They, they had guys that could really push pace and get up the ice. Um, I, I really liked how the Swiss played in this tournament. I wasn't like over the moon about them, but they, they performed better than I expected them to. Um, but I still feel like they're still a, 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 a power that's kind of like waning a little bit. And again, I don't, I don't really see a tremendous amount of Swiss talent coming down the pipe for next year or the year after that that will really rescue them from the so from the the depths of the world juniors. Um Finland 
they were mid, right? Finland was a team that I had ranked fourth, but honestly, between them, Czechia and Slovakia, like you could have mixed them around. I said that in my report before the tournament. Um, you know, these guys could uh, all, you know, the Finland Finnish team could have been fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever. I wouldn't have cared. Um, they played kind of boring. Um, they were okay. Uh, grindy sort of physical hockey kept things tight. Didn't really score a whole lot. Didn't get scored on a whole lot. Just kind of whatever. Uh, Slovakia, I loved watching the Slovakian team play. And they have a lot of guys coming back uh, that will help them get even better, right? So next year, you're looking at Dvorsky coming back, Sturbach coming back. Branisic Dej was pretty good, actually, in the in the limited time that I saw him play. So I'll have to go and take a look at him. But he looked actually pretty decent a few times watching him play. Sam Honzik is coming back. Alex Sunik is coming back. He played great. Adam Shakora, he's coming back. I thought he played really well. Servac Petrovsky, he's coming back almost certainly. David Notney, I don't know who that is, but he'll he's eligible. Adam Zlinka, I thought he was okay. Simone Nemich could come back next year, I guess. Um, I don't think Mishar can come back, but uh, they're going to have a pretty good group of guys returning. Like, that is... 10 guys that can come back. Sweden has 11. Like, that could be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, what else do we have here? Um, yeah, uh, Sweden, again, I thought they underperformed. Uh, I really thought they would have a lot more offensive pop and speed and pace that they than they did, but they didn't. Uh, they, they really didn't. And, um, you know, it took until the bronze medal game for them to find an offensive streak to them, but that's okay. Um, they played okay. Uh, they had really great goaltending from Carl Lindbaum. Um, just again, hoped for a little bit more out of them, but an eight, seven bronze medal game is not a bad consolation prize. The States, I thought the States played really well, you know, uh, in that semifinal against Canada, I thought it was a close, close six, two game. I thought they had a lot of really, really good chances. Thomas Millich played extremely well in that semifinal. Um, the States had a, a really dangerous offensive team. They, they can shoot. They had guys who could shoot. They had guys who can skate. Um, their defense was a bit of a weak point. Maybe I, I thought Trey Augustine stepped up really, really well and check Canada. I mean, Canada, you know, look, they won. So I guess I can put them up top now. Um, you know, Canada was the pre-tournament favorites. I mean, again, I'm not, they had a rough start to the tournament. They almost lost the gold medal game. There was a period in the semifinals where I really thought it would, they were at risk. Um, you know, it was it was tight, and that Slovakia game in the in the quarterfinals again, pretty easily could have not gone their way, um, but they found a way, as they do often. They found a way to win. Um, pretty incredible stuff. Uh, I mean, Connor Bedard cemented himself as the best player in the world. Done that is not drafted by an NHL team yet, which is uh, incredible. Yeah, really incredible stuff. Um, from, from Connor Bedard and, and it's going to be a lot of fun. What the fuck? Weird. Cool. Spam. Love it. Um, and yeah, I mean the checks... I thought the, the I thought the Czechs played incredible. Um, you can't really fault the Czechs for how they played. Um, you know, a lot a lot of people are bringing up a lot of questions about Edward Schale. Uh, personally, I'm not super concerned about it. Um, 
I, I, I think Shale didn't play phenomenally well, but I thought he played well enough where he had some pretty good moments. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I thought the Czechs played extremely good team-focused hockey. Guys like Marcel Marcel uh, and uh, Gabriel Struck and, um, you know, a lot of guys played really, really well. I mean, Thomas Suhanek was just unbelievable. Uh, I think him and Adam Gayan in Slovakia probably played their way into, like, late-round draft conversations. Um, you know, would I draft them? I don't know. Guys who show up for the World Juniors and perform really well, always, you know, a little bit questionable. But Sahanik actually has a long track record of, of facing a lot of high workloads and, and winning and, and saving a lot of pucks. And, well, maybe not winning because he plays for Tri-City, but... um really good i don't know it was it's it's just we'll see how it goes but it's it's been it's been a great tournament a really really phenomenal installment um oh yeah their teammates right forgot about that Fossil and, and bedard um but yeah really incredible tournament this year one for the ages i think so i'll have a piece uh coming for mckeens in the next couple of days uh reflecting on the medal rounds and the quarterfinals uh just pretty briefly overall um, so that's going to come out and then I'll do something on Substack, um, just for people who are interested in my thoughts and how my analysis sort of turned out. Um, I feel pretty good about how I read things going into the tournament. Not that anyone really cares. Um, I thought that Slovakia could surprise people and they almost knocked Canada out. Um, I didn't think they'd surprise for that reason, but Guyon sort of solidified them as a, as a real threat to go pretty deep. Uh, the who else was in there um you know i thought the checks would have performed really well i didn't think they were going to do this well but but they did extremely well um canada i mean i thought canada was going to have a bit of an easier time they still struggled at even strength pretty much throughout the tournament to really drive a lot of dangerous offense but um they had the firepower they had the raw talent and it worked uh and and again, the weakness for me, I mean, I was really pleasantly surprised to see the U.S. really riding Adam, Adam, uh, or, um, really, uh, oh my God, Trey Augustine. I really was happy to see them sort of put their chips on the table with a young goalie that, that has a really promising future ahead of them. Um, Canada, I mean, Ben Goudreau losing the job, but then being, being sort of rescued there a little bit by Thomas Millich, really impressive stuff as well. Um... Carl Lindbaum, I thought he'd play pretty well in this tournament. He sort of did a lot better than I thought he would. Um, who is Adam Guyon? I don't know, but he played really well. But yeah, it's been a, it's been a really, really great, uh, incredible tournament. So, um, you know, look, I, I, I feel terrible for the Czech kids. Like, they played really hard. They, 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 they pulled a fast one on Canada, and it just wasn't fast enough. It just wasn't quite there. Like, they almost pulled off one hell of a comeback. About, with 10 seconds left, they almost had one. It's a heartbreaker, but, like, this tournament, it's it's not for the faint of heart, right? This tournament is, it'll, it'll, it'll smash your heart into smithereens. It'll make you cry. Uh, it'll, it'll be, it'll be an adventure, but it was a time. I had a lot of fun. Um... Yeah, like Adam Fantilli was great in this tournament. I, 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 you know, absolutely going to be in my top two. There's no doubt about it.
Reed Schaefer. <laughs> Daddy Gunther, yep. My new god. What a game. We are so spoiled. Oh my god. Is it a requirement that you have to be bald to coach for the Canadian hockey team? Because if so, I should shave my head. <clears throat> I, I, I come from a family with great hair genes, so that maybe that's why I'll never work in hockey. I, uh, I have too much hair, and my grandparents both passed away in their 90s with lots of hair on their head. I wish, I wish, I wish I was good enough at hockey to, like, even sniff this. I wish. I wish. I'm, I, I, I was this close. I'm kidding. But, man, like, the camaraderie and the, the drama. And I, I remember one time when I was a kid, uh, I was at a hockey camp and we were playing a scrimmage. And I got so excited in the third period that, um, well... Let's just say it didn't go so well because I was so excited and I was about 10 or 11 years old. And uh, so my emotional ability to contain myself is pretty limited. Um, but yeah, you know what? Um, what I wouldn't give to be so good at this game that you would be able to like play and experience it at this level. Like it just blows my mind. Like, I don't know. It makes me reflect, right? Like I, I spend a lot of time watching these guys, critiquing them you know, doing analysis, really studying them, coming to coming to conclusions that that might fly in the face of what other people expect and coming to conclusions that, you know, might be so against the grain that may be wrong, but so against the grain that that it sounds insulting, but the amount of like respect that I have for these people and like the families and like how much they sacrifice to to do this stuff and like the amount of work that it takes, like I will never ever critique a player at this level's willingness to play the game and love the game. And you know, it's why I hate the word lazy when I talk about players and why I, I hate being so nebulous and basic about it and really want to dig into the nitty gritty about the details of what a player does. That's so beneficial and what they, what they have as a strength and what they have as a, as an area where they could improve and really sort of studying that and seeing where the game is going. Like it just blows my mind. And so as an evaluator, like the way you communicate what you're thinking is so pivotal. And I see these guys out there like playing their heart out. They're so happy. They're, they're killing it. Um, and I'm really, really happy about it. Uh, so it, it just, I don't know. It just makes me think about like all the, you know, the times where it's like, yeah, you know what? I am, I, I am a sideline guy. I, I watch these guys a lot. Um, I build my own thoughts and, and, you know, it's very important to talk about it the right way. Cause these are also kids, right? Like, you know, if Canada lost this game, would I go on Instagram or whatever and call them chokers? Absolutely not. But are there people who would probably, and that's unfortunate, but, but when I, I, I don't know, I, I just, 
it, it, I don't know, every single participant in this tournament, whether you're Austrian or Canadian or whatever, it's such an amazing accomplishment. And, you know, it's something that I wish, you know, I wish I could have experienced or could even come close to have experienced, uh, in, in my life. And so I guess part of the reason why I'm, I'm so motivated and so, uh, intent on, on doing this work and like exploring this sport and really trying to understand it is because I just see so much potential and so much of a bright future for it. If it's, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's just so it's been, it's like, look at what's happening right now. Like it's incredible. Um, side note, Halifax should have an NHL team. I'm going to say it. That's my hot take. If I was on the Steve Dangle podcast, hot take a Palooza, I would have said, put a hockey team in Halifax. That's what I would have said. Uh, you know, that, that, that's it. Uh, if I'm ever a billionaire, I'm going to work on putting an NHL team in Halifax because I love Nova Scotia. I love the Maritimes. They're better than the West coast. Um, and, and the crowds here in Halifax, Gary Bettman, if you're watching, you're not, but if you are, take a look at this, um, because Halifax, some of the best hockey fans, some of the best people, best province in Canada, hands down, absolutely love it. And that's coming from a person born and raised in Toronto, right? Toronto's the center of the universe. Nah, nah, Halifax, Halifax rocks, Halifax rocks. And we're seeing it. The cameras are vibrating, right? Um, but anyway, uh, I'm just, I don't know. I, 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 I'm rambling at this point, but I, I really, really love this tournament. I, I love this sport. It, it, it always is a reminder every year of just how much these people care. Um, just how much these, these kids care about this sport and how much they love it. And that just, that just, it, it, it's really incredible. Um, and I'm really, really thrilled. Um, yeah, it's really, really great stuff. Wait, Shane Wright had an A on his jersey there. Wasn't he the captain of the team? Whatever. Um, so, you know, look, like any time I do the work that I do and come to the conclusions that I do or say the things that I say, like I never, ever, 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 ever want to come across like I know better than the players themselves because – you know, and and it's something that I do wish I could do more is interface with these guys and really just sort of talk to them about hockey and like have a good discussion about it because, you know, I, I think they're the ones who I think would have the most interesting things to say about their game, especially when you're looking at them. Uh, maybe I'm blind. I, I, I didn't see a C on Shane Wright's jersey. I don't know. I, I Oh, it is. Okay, weird. I don't know what was happening there. But anyway, um, real, I don't know. I, 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 I just figure I would close this out with you know it's just such a weird dichotomy in my head right and I wrestle with this a lot where I never played at a super high level I always loved hockey I wish I could be good enough to play at this level I really really do um but my life didn't turn out that way and that's okay and so but I also want to work in the sport and I want to be part of it and I want to help put kids in a situation where they're in this situation right like that would be the best feeling in the whole universe and so being able to find a way to get there without, you know, without coming across as disrespectful is someone who says a lot more than what they think they know. When I spend so many friggin' hours of my life watching this sport from anywhere in the world and, and, and watching these guys specifically and, and doing it for so many years, it's really, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's a weird feeling and, um, really motivating, but also, I don't know. There's just a lot of reflection that goes on whenever this happens. Um, but yeah. Oh, someone said, got to start tracking the best hair in the draft. That's a good point. Uh, Logan Stankoven's broken tooth there is 
is an A-plus move there, so that's wonderful. I can't hate the hat that Joshua is wearing. I can't hate it at all. Uh, you know, look, Joshua had a good tournament. He did. I, I'll admit that. He had a good tournament. Um, you know, he played his role extremely well. That primary assist on the OT goal, yeah, he did that. You know, that was the extra pass that they needed. Um and it worked. Uh, he he. You know, I'm 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 bold. I'm bold enough to admit that a player that I'm not the biggest fan of had a really really good tournament. Um, you know, look. If I turn out to be wrong about Joshua, then I turn out to be wrong about Joshua. But uh, uh, he just he fit in on that line really really well. So maybe that's something for the Montreal Canadiens to carry forward. Um, but yeah, this has been a really really incredible tournament. I I can't I can't look at. I mean. I would say like Sweden and Finland are teams that I think I expected a little more out of, but just the the amount that I saw out of Slovakia and Czechia and Latvia, even Switzerland, just unbelievable stuff. And uh, and and I think that everybody, you know, it's it's just such a cultural cornerstone, such a great tournament. And uh, I don't know, it's just uh, it's all it never gets old, right? I've been watching this tournament since I was seven or eight. I remember, I remember like when, was it Mark? I think I remember very distinctly when Marc-Andre Fleury handed the Americans, not literally, but basically handed the Americans their first gold medal in this tournament by putting the puck into his own net off of a defender's bum bum. That was, I remember crying in front of the TV, sobbing uncontrollably uh, at that when it, when it happened and um, praying to whoever is up there that that didn't actually just happen, but it did. Um, but that's the world juniors, right? Like that's how it works. And it's, it's, it's just unbelievable. Um, so I hope, I hope it keeps its luster. Uh, I'm going to sign off. Um, this has been really amazing, really, really fun. Um, I hope I hope we'll do this again next year when the world juniors come around. Maybe we'll do this at the under 18s as well. I would, I'll close by also urging people to keep up with and watch as much of the women's under 18 as you possibly can. It is a much more even tournament than it used to be. Uh, it's a great tournament. Um, it's basically the closest thing we have to an equivalent for, for women's hockey. Um, they deserve the attention. It's also, uh, it's, you know, um, it's actually kind of funny to me that, uh, Oh, I, Oh my goodness. Um, I think her name is Adele. Adele Sapovalova is uh, she is uh, Matias Sapovalov's sister, um, or Matias Sapovalov is Adele Sapovalov's brother. Uh, she is a 16 year old playing for the Czech women's team. The Czech women's team is a ton of fun to watch. I would recommend them. And she is a focal point. She's 16 years old and playing. I think her third under 18s, and she is quite a hockey player. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun and, uh, I'll be, I'll be tuning in as much as I possibly can. Um, and it's really, really worth watching. And you also get to see the Japanese women's team play and Japan has real good hockey vibes when they play both men and women. So, uh, highly recommend watching them play this. This could be a fun one too, uh, as well. So with that said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. I've been on camera for almost four straight hours. I am very, very tired in the throat from speaking. Um, if you're ever in Toronto, highly recommend checking out Bandit Brewery. They're not paying me to say that, unfortunately. 
Uh, also, thank you very much to Fanatics and McKean's Hockey and uh, Blue Line Hockey IQ program from Marcus Gustafson for sponsoring the show. Uh, you can scan the QR code above my head to get all of the gear that you want from Fanatics, uh, and I'll get a small kickback on what you spend. So thank you very much. This was a lot of fun. Go Canada Go. Uh, I'm very thrilled that my jersey with 16 on it and Scouch on the back uh, has been worn by Connor Bedard. I think that's a sign. Um, I am I am certainly uh, not going to uh, think too much about that and take it to heart too much. But thank you very much, everybody, for joining me. This was a lot of fun. Um, we'll have to do it again sometime. The under-18s are not too far away, so maybe we'll follow it up with one of those. Um, thank you very much. Have a wonderful evening. If you can get that bivalent, uh, COVID-19 vaccine, maybe might be a good idea. I'm scheduled for the end of January, um, because I had to wait because I actually got COVID, but stay safe, stay healthy. Um, don't drink and drive, uh, 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 uh B19 or over if you want to drink in Canada, uh, 21 or over if you're American. I don't condone, uh, the use of alcohol considering I was con consuming alcohol, uh, uh, during this stream. And uh, we'll see you around. Um, thank you very much. I don't know what else to say. Uh, this is uh, this is me excited, by the way. I don't show emotion very often, but this is me excited. Um, so go Canada, go. Uh, Connor Bedard and I share a number right now, so that feels pretty good. Um, we'll see you around. Thank you. We'll be back next week. Uh, have a great week. Uh, you're all.